Yeah, Nia. Yeah, but Naya. Naya. Yeah. It's a it's a beautiful name. Thank you. Thank you. I was trying to make sure if it was a stage name or a birth name because it, it's a good stage name as well. Thank you. No, it's a real name. And it's you're me. from Boston, originally Boston. from Massachusetts. Yeah. And what brings you to LA? Like, how does that how does that start for you? Well, I grew up right outside of Boston. And my mother was a classical pianist, so I did all the music, was in all the jazz bands, and then um, ended up in New York at New School Conservatory for jazz voice. I was in the the jazz bubble, and uh, was in New York for a few years. Dropped out of my conservatory because once I got to New York, all I wanted to do was play, you mm-hmm. know. And then as I started you know, just writing my own music in New York, I realized a lot of the industry is in, in Los Angeles. So that's kind of how I migrated west and ended mm. up there. So it was like kind early of, 20s, uh, mid 20s, I'd say. Or is it that song I was just listening to? Oh, 24. yeah, 24. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, 24. Okay, that that's the short version of it, yeah. But Boston, New York, LA, yes, yes, and you've been touring since, um. Kind of. I'm not the biggest tour. I'm just starting to get used to playing playing out. You know, I would do these kind of one-off shows, and I have really bad stage fright growing up because it was always just... Uh, I never really enjoyed being in front of a lot of people. And when I was young, we did a lot of jazz competitions. Mm-hmm. But that was really, like, technique-based and accuracy. And it wasn't really about me holding the show together. You know, there was less showmanship. It was more know your craft, know your craft. So I did those kind of performances, but never kind of like Naya shows. And then Mm -hmm. as I started to become a solo artist, you know, everyone was like, part of the gig is touring and doing Mm -hmm. these shows. And so I've done a couple little tours opening for some acts. And now I'm just starting to get my uh, feet wet with solo shows and headlining shows, which is exciting. That that must be. I mean, yeah. last night at Shuba's, I went, and by the time you went on, it was pretty packed in there. I know, pretty crazy, which huh? is really cool. <laughs> I know. And but that's not something you've been doing for a long time. No, I've done a couple one-off shows, but you know, this is going to be the beginning of a a touring experience for me. I'm going to start touring more next year, maybe this fall, and maybe go to Asia. Just really go for it because mm-hmm. I love singing live and. You know, I realized it's not as scary as I thought. And making that connection with my audience, I think initially was very intimidating. You mm-hmm. know, just that how much power you have on stage is yeah. is a lot. Yeah. And being an introvert, it's a lot of pressure. So, and I just want to hit my notes, but I'm realizing, you know, my fans are here to connect with me. And it's kind of rude if I just close my eyes and don't acknowledge them. Mm-hmm. So I'm slowly getting more comfortable and just really grateful that they're there for me. So I'm at least opening my eyes and looking out now. So I'm excited. I mean, that's that's wonderful. And it's a great yeah. way to look at it. Yeah. It's funny. I hear often a lot of musicians I work with and speak to that they're introverted, yeah. which is hilarious if I you're going to be a musician who's not just like a studio musician who yeah. can kind of hide away. Yeah. That's like the ideal thing for an introvert totally. who likes to play music. But someone who plays shows and now someone who tours someone who has a strong social media presence. It's mm-hmm. like, it's funny. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. And, everyone's, and everyone says to me, why don't you create a character? Why don't you make an alias? And what's even more ironic is I really can't be anyone but myself mm-hmm. making music. It just doesn't feel right. I have to write about 
things I've gone through. And sometimes I'm like, shit, this is literally what's happened to me in my life. I can't believe I'm sharing it with a bunch of strangers. But I don't know. Maybe in my next album I'll be like a Formula One driver or something. But <laughs> Do you like Formula One? I do. I'm Me too. I'm kind of obsessed. Me too. I'm, I'm kind of jealous. Did you see the last race? I did. I did. Why did you say it like that? I don't know. I just I, I'm like a Yuki fan. I, I think he's. Oh, okay. I think he's just reckless. I don't know. I love him. You like reckless. You like it when people like are reckless going reckless. 200 yeah, miles. Yeah, I don't like the I don't like the fan favorites. I I you completely know? agree. I. So for the spectacle and yes. for history, it's fun yes. to see Lewis Hamilton do yeah. what he does, except for this season, apparently. Yeah, I know. But it's the new cars. But I agree. I do like, I almost enjoyed watching like Valtteri Bottas last year more than Lewis Hamilton because he always would come back from far behind and I know. it was more exciting. And I think so too. And it's funny, I'll give you a little clue, but my next album I'm working on is going to be a little Formula One inspired. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Never heard a musician say that. I know. It's In fact, it's hard to find musicians that. I know. Well, I'm also kind of jealous that America is now kind of understanding Formula One because it's become it's been huge forever. But Mm -hmm. now Netflix just did a whole series about it, so I'm like, no, I hope no one knows about it. It's too late. They just added the new Las Vegas thing. I know. I was. I knew that was going to happen two years ago. When yeah, I heard the they were adding sight. Miami, and I was like, it's going to keep I growing know, and more popular in America. I know. I, do you think, they're gonna, a, do you think t- they're going to regulate it where there's a certain amount you can spend on each car? Yeah, I think they're starting to regulate it more now because yeah. they realize, just like a lot of other sports like baseball, when they don't have a salary cap like the yeah. Yankees, what can happen yeah. is monopoly, which isn't fair yeah, and all. it's not fun to watch it's when the same three cars keep winning. Haas and Alfatari always know, in the back, and then Mercedes and Ferrari and McLaren and Red, Red Bull, Bull always in the front. It's crazy. I Red Bull is exciting, but Max Verstappen has this punchable phase. I know. He drives me crazy. <laughs> He's such a baby. That's very crazy. true. I know. Crazy. I know. That's so funny. I'll take back the punchable phase thing. He is kind of a baby. It's a, it's annoying. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean. I see it because it's high stakes and high pressure. Yeah. And they're also all very wealthy, mm-hmm. which does something weird to you. Totally. And very famous in their in their world and now more globally. Mm-hmm. But I still just can't excuse like poor character. And, you know. I know. Well, it's a diva. I mean, it's also just they're treated like gods, yeah. you know, and I think that's what's so incredible. And it's funny, my next album is inspired by this old 70s movie where the leads of, I'm not going to, I'll tell you off, off mic. Okay. Um, I guess I could tell you off, I don't know. But um, it's about a Formula One driver in the 70s and he thinks he's a god and then he realizes he's not, you know, he's mm-hmm. just a normal person. And I kind of just was obsessed with it. But it's just so crazy. To me, it's the discipline. Mm-hmm. And like, I've never, I'm learning how to drive stick right now because mm-hmm. I, if I'm going to make an album where it's influenced by all this car stuff. I might as well know how to drive a stick. That's pretty embarrassing. Yeah. But it's so hard. You just really have to focus and just kind of the the discipline. It reminds me of the discipline when I was just studying jazz. Like you just have to be on such a level. But also like you can't be an asshole. Mm-hmm. These these kids are they're also very young. Very young. Very Most very of them young. are younger than you and I. I'm 32. Yeah, I'm in my early 30s too, right. so it's just imagine being 22 and people it's just insane. It is insane. But, it is what a weird segue. I did not I know, think. Sorry, no, sorry. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm happy because I never get to talk to people who yeah. know the, these things, so it's well, exciting. I know. My goal is just to play those like fancy dinners in Dubai and Monaco someday, <laughs> you know? I always say like, 
I don't know how I would find myself in Monaco. I'll get us there. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll come. Right? We'll, come. we'll hang out there. Or we'll Singapore. Yeah. Singapore would be such a fun oh, race, the night race. Amazing. It mostly rains. I'm going to make a full kit, like a full fit, a full racing outfit for me. And then for my team, we'll all have jackets, so I'll have to get you one. <laughs> That's what I want to be for Halloween next year. Ooh, I love that. Because they make them, like $150 so for like, these suits you could get. Yeah, that that I could totally, after hearing you last night, like I've listened to your music leading up to this, just oh. to be more familiar with it, and I really like it. Thank you. Um, it's, it's interesting, the, the most recent record. Compared to the last one that came out last June, yeah, very different, yeah, but a good different. Yeah. I, I'm not a fan of when people just keep putting out the same things. I totally agree. You have to grow. Everyone does. Grow it in a healthy, creative way. Yeah. Um. So the next, you're already talking about the next one, which is yes, yeah, the one influence. <laughs> Got excited. No, that's that's really <laughs> that's such an interesting influence for yeah. music for jazz. Not music. necessary. I mean, it will be. Uh, the goal is for every song to be able to drive to. Uh, Not necessarily race, but like, you know, there's lots of different kinds of ways you listen to music in your car. Yeah. And I feel we spend, I mean, living in LA, I spend so much time in my car and that's Mm -hmm. where I do the best listening to my mixes Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So yeah. Also, I just, you know, love Formula One. (laughs) It's really exciting. And it is cool that there's more in America now. But I also know what that means. I know yeah. what America can do. I know what things. they're. Yeah, I know what's gonna happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I give it a five more years, and it is all these things are household names. People yeah. have them wearing the jerseys. It's. I know. Which I mean, I have five years to complete this album. That's <laughs> that's the goal. Okay. I'm sure you'll. Do you normally try to do like every two, three years? Well, I usually go pretty slow because I believe in quality over quantity. Mm-hmm. But these days, I'm trying to push myself to. Just go for it, especially if I have the inspiration, which I do. So it's like, just go for it. We, we can do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, using this ambient project that I just released and keep the, keeping the momentum, I think it's also important because these days it's so congested mm-hmm. in music that mm-hmm. having something that's out right now, it's nice to follow it up with something and just kind of keep it, the momentum going. Right. As long as it's not forced and you feel... Uh, comfortable with what you're putting out. So. Natural, yeah. Yeah. So this last one was, it's kind of like a intermediate one, like yeah, it, it's it was, an ambient it's, one. It's almost like a side project, I'd say. And, um, you know, during the pandemic, uh, this little label off air, this new label reached out to me because I was fooling around with those crystal bowls mm-hmm. during the pandemic. I already telling them. That yeah, and I kept seeing all these holistic yoga girls doing it. And I kept watching them, being like, "What is this? Like, why is this a trend? These are, are these instruments? Are these just like hippie spa things?" So I became obsessed with them. So I bought a set and just started fooling around. I was like, "These are really cool. They almost sound like synths, and the tones of them are so low and the frequencies." And then I started doing some research on, you know, the history of all the hertz and different chakras that they hit. And of course, I was like, "This doesn't. This isn't real." Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, like, my arm started to hurt when I would hit one specific bowl. And that was the arm I broke when I was little. Mm. And so actually realizing these bowls are supposed to trigger certain parts in your body and heal. And it really does, I I really do believe it works. And so for me, I think Off Air saw me doing this and approached me and said, hey, would you be up for doing an ambient record? And, you know, at the time I just released my last EP, the second album had come out and the world was so loud. Everything was happening that 
I just said, sure. You know, I didn't really know what I wanted to say. So creating something that was more instrumental and a bit more expressive and in an experimental way mm-hmm. felt right. Mm-hmm. You know, I had no idea what I was going to do, but I was like, I'll take on this challenge. So it was really, it was a, uh, Something I didn't expect to do, but something I realized now I was desperately needing. Yeah, you know, it's 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 really nice. I listened to the whole thing on the way here. It's about a forty-five minute drive, so it was perfect. Yeah, oh, that's and thank you. Yeah, it was really beautiful. I'm a big fan of that type of music in general, and I do play it myself. Incredible. And so I can relate to that. And again, it is a time to feel a little present when you improvise. Totally. And you feel. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I, I I care and believe a lot in an Eastern way of doing things, a more natural way of doing things. I also appreciate a Western way. I do also appreciate science. But there is something very interesting going on when you have drones and certain frequencies that are sustaining yes. a, a certain pitch yeah. for a duration. And sometimes what that ends up being is the resonant frequency of the length of the in, the thing that's involved? It could have been your arm. Yeah. So if you you said you broke your arm, yeah, when you were younger, when I was little. How did you break it? I fell off a wall. A I mean, wall. look, it's still, oh. it's still not set right. See how weird it looks. Yeah, was? I know. That's crazy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> wow, you just fell and like a couple I feet just, off a wall. Yeah, I flew off a wall, and then my arm was like the scarecrow. Oh my god, no cast. You did a cast. I had a cast, okay, but they but never set it right. So. Um, Long term effects at all from it? Uh, sometimes when I play the piano, I get a little tendonitis. But it happens here too. I broke my wrist longboarding, oh, and when I play cool. guitar, it was brutal. I was going like sixty miles an hour. It was bad. That's crazy. Glad to be alive. Yeah. But playing bass and playing guitar, especially bass, longer neck. Yeah. This starts Oof. to hurt, and when I do like workouts, when I do pushups, I have to wear like a, a glove a that has like a brace on. That's it. pretty cool though. The brace is pretty. Yeah. I mean, it looks cool, str- but yeah. it, it's just like. <laughs> Yeah, you have these long-term effects. Breaking a bone is never good. No. It's never the same. No, but mm. ambient music helps it, right? It. So I, what I was getting to, yeah. like your arm, maybe you have a foot here. Mm-hmm. So that a foot is about, um, the frequency length of that is about, the pitch would be 1,130 feet, give or take. It's crazy. I teach this, so this yeah, is why I know amazing. it. amazing. I love and this stuff. So if you hit that pitch and then the octaves below it and a, a higher than it, because mm-hmm. whenever a note is struck, the attack of it, it vibrates going high in pitch mm-hmm. equally as it does lower, but in octaves. And then harmonics above that. Right, right. So if it's at 1,130, I'm going to sound nerdy here. We no, can no, I'm obsessed. Yeah, cut no. in half to maybe um, 5,000, it would be five, 565. Cut that in half to 237.5. Wow. Cut that in half to 119 to about. And cut that in half to about... 59 and a half so now we're going lower so maybe the next one would be about 30 hertz mm-hmm. and then 15 hertz which we can't perceive anything below 30 right. below 20 to be precise so those lower notes and that octave when you're rolling that could be vibrating that in a way to where it could be soothing yeah it could be peaceful and it's so subtle but if totally. you do it long enough it could build up within the room yeah and reinforce itself it's totally possible i yeah no i believe it but uh yeah no my arm kept like I kept feeling my arm a little bit. And I was like, whoa, frequencies are real. They are. They are. And you hear it all the time when you listen yeah. to music in your car and all of a sudden a certain note and your door is vibrating. Totally. Or your window is well, or something totally. else Totally. And also coming from live music, you know, being in jazz ensembles, you know, then switching to recorded music. Mm-hmm. 
whenever we would be mixing, they would take out certain frequencies in my voice because it fills the bass frequency. And I'd always be like, why does this sound weird? And it's because, you know, you can't have all the frequencies in all the same areas. Mm-hmm. So I've, I'm now still learning how this works of where you cut the frequencies mm-hmm. of the highs and the lows. So it sounds the clarity's okay, but mm-hmm. I'm like, not from my voice, please. Yeah. Keep, it's tricky with human it, voice. It is. We're very it's, good at recognizing human yeah. voice. It is the only thing our ears technically developed to hear mm. is human voice. It's it's why it's the shape of our our ear shape is the shape because of the tone of our voice and pitch of it and the register of it and vice versa. Our wow. register is where it's at because of the shape of our ear. That's so crazy. I didn't know that. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's why our resonant frequency has a notch, like a boost. Um, between like 1.5 and 4,000 hertz in our ears. Wow. So with that, that's where most of the ability to, clearly hear human voice lies in speech. Totally. And that's why a lot of microphones gear that and they boost that. Yeah. Um, especially like the handheld dynamics used at a live record or performance like last night mm-hmm. will boost that range because it's easier for our ears to hear speech. Yeah. And so because speech is so important to hear and we're so used to being able to communicate that way, I mean, music didn't exist in its normal form 10,000 years ago. The refrigerator didn't exist. The sound right. systems, these things didn't exist. So the only thing we had in nature were animals, a thunder, and your voice. Wow. So we developed to only really speak and hear that way. Yeah. That's why if you hear yourself or someone else singing and things are missing, you know right away. Yeah. You can instantly tell like something's not right. Definitely. It's unnatural feeling. Yeah. And you, you said it best, all these things coming together. Yeah, in physics, two things can't occupy the same space. Yeah. So once you have the higher frequencies of the upright bass, the guitar, say you had a drum kit, the sample pad. It's a lot going on. Yeah, they started to get in each other's way. Yeah. And you have to start to, that's what equalization is for, to start balancing stuff. And I've really been trying to learn about it because I want to know the terminology. And also I've noticed like for someone who doesn't know musicianship or just doesn't understand what we're talking about, Mm They don't, they, they'll be like, oh, I don't like this song, but they don't know why. Yes. And a lot of it's because of those little things that they could have cleaned up or something. Mm-hmm. Like, like my friends, when they listen to a demo of mine that's not mixed, not perfect or equalized, they're like, it's okay. Yeah. And I'll play them the same exact song yeah. when it's mixed. And they're like, I love this. This is amazing. And mm-hmm. it's literally just because of the levels of things. Yeah. The balance. You know? How they're panned across the stereo panorama. Totally. The levels of everything and the way the equalization is coming together on each track. Yeah. I mean, that is where the importance and the beauty of artists and musician meets engineer. Yeah. And the funny thing about engineers of all backgrounds, not just in music production, but even the people who, des- electrical engineers who design these microphones mm-hmm. and computer engineers and scientists who make these laptops and cameras. As we, we, it's a symbiotic relationship because yeah. we couldn't have this conversation if this technology didn't exist. Very true. And it's a really beautiful thing. And they're, they're honestly extremely creative in their own way. They just use math, science, and logic to be creative. Yeah. Even the design of this, like yeah. this cable doesn't need to be on the outside of this microphone. Yeah. It could be housed in the housing in, in it, but it looks cool. It's like, yeah. 
That's an interesting design. Yeah, just a choice. Yeah, and the whole design of this doesn't need to be the shape it is, but it has a look to it. Definitely. And now that they've become the most popular microphone in the world because of podcasts. People people uh, perform at these now. Mm -hmm. I see my friends holding them, and I'm like, okay. They're really, really popular now. I mean, they've been legendary for a while in the audio production world Yeah. because of Michael Jackson. He sang Thriller using an SM7. Amazing. So they've been popular for 30, 40 years, but because of podcasting in the last five years, they've like exploded. Yeah. Sure, microphones, which is located here in Niles, uh, north of Chicago, is probably making so much money now from from podcast. (laughs) No, but it is, it's crazy just because, you know, even with this ambient record, I've really started to embrace learning more about all these things we're talking about because I think it's been a little intimidating for me and. I'm not good at math and science. I was more creative writing, mm-hmm. art, music, the more you know, expressive stuff where it just comes off the cuff and singing. And now I'm realizing how important, one, learning about it is because then you can control things. And then also really everything is in the engineering. Yeah. You know, and, and if you perform something live, that's one thing. But if you're on your records, it's, it can sound totally different, right. you know, unless you're doing a live recording. But... And I would, I would struggle early on because I was like, I don't like the way this sounds. It doesn't feel live enough, but I also then didn't like the recording sound either. So mm-hmm. I had to find, it took me some time to figure out a, a place and a mix of how to get it where it felt good. Mm-hmm. You know, and with ambient, it's all about creating this like landscape of sounds and little moods. And I think I kind of knew I wanted it to be very bass heavy. So that was also a really fun thing to try. Why, why bass heavy? I think I just love bass. I really am just obsessed with bass. And I think the tones, you know, when you hear a bass just pluck a string, you're just like, whoa. It's cool. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> and it's also very grounding. And for this ambient record, you know, it, I kind of, uh, I didn't initially pick like the ocean or a theme. It just kind of started happening where I knew I wanted piano, bass, voice to be used and like a little percussive stuff and some harp. So I really just like the idea of a beautiful piano, like arpeggiated, mm-hmm. and then with this like low, very grounding bass. It was kind of this like flighty, non-resolving uh, type of high stuff with low bass that really kept you grounded or f- kept making you feel like you're sinking in the water. Mm. So it's like sinking and then floating at the same time or mm. rising. Covering the spectrum. Yeah, totally. Do you play bass at all? No, I play piano. I wish I, I bought a bass and I was like, I want to be the girl from the Talking Heads. <laughs> I could do that. And then I bought one. I was like, this is fucking hard. Just yeah. even to just keep time. And then, yeah. and I'm because I play the piano, my finger strength is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I could get it. I just have to practice. Right. It's just consistency. It, it, that's all it is. I mean, yeah. you sing, so you have pitch recognition yeah. already. And you have a wonderful voice. Thank you. And then you play piano. How long have you been playing piano for? Forever. I mean, I have a Chopin tattoo. My mom was a (laughs) classical pianist. Yeah, Chopin's my favorite too. We're nerds here. (laughs) Hey, I'm a nerd. I mean, got a Formula One. Yeah, Chopin. Hertz and frequencies, Chopin. Chopin, Yeah, (laughs) I'm sure there's more. But no, I started started in classical piano because my mother was a good classical pianist. Mm. And um, yeah, I was a trouble the trouble student because I wanted to play everything but classical. But I love Chopin and I was the only one that stuck with it in my family. And then when I kept improvising, because I could play you a nocturne, but I'll mess up some of the time signatures and not really know what I'm doing, but I could still play it. So Mm -hmm. I have a really good ear. And then my mom was like, 
you know what? I'm going to put you in some jazz piano lessons. (laughs) We can be a little bit more yourself. Totally. And then after that, my piano or jazz piano teacher pulled my mom aside and was like, Hey, can I talk to you? You know, Naya is a pretty good jazz pianist, but she's an excellent singer. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put her in the jazz band because he would make me sing along while I'm learning how to like walk a little bass on the piano. Mm -hmm. So that's where the Chopin tattoo originated. My mom. What? How old were you when this was happening? Oh, we had to play piano when we were little. So probably I started around like seven. Really, oh, really that's a young. great time to start. Oh, yeah. It's, I, it's probably frustrating when you're that age. You're like, I want to go do this. but Yeah. It wasn't, I actually, because I was a kind of a loner when I was little, really mm. introverted. So piano was kind of my only friend for a while. There's just a point where it gets hard. You know, like you get to intermediate piano and you're cruising and then all of a sudden you become advanced and mm. then you have to practice. A lot. Yes. Yeah. And I was just, that's when I wanted to play anything but classical. And when did you start getting that more advanced place? Um, probably around my sophomore year in high school. And that's when I started to transition to jazz piano. Mm. And then that was a quick life because... I started singing a bit more. I always sang, but I didn't. nobody really knew because I would wait for my family. My mom would go drive my sister to gymnastics, and then I would play and sing on the piano when no one was home. Oh. And then um, slowly people started noticing I could sing, mm-hmm. and um, I just started singing. I got put in this big jazz band, and we were competing. <laughs> in high school. Yeah, in high school. Mm-hmm. And then I became obsessed with jazz because it was just all about accuracy, scales, scatting, listening to people, and I was obsessed. It was so much fun. It Jazz is a very, it's more new for me. I've always kind of listened to yeah. it, but not with intention, and I didn't go very deep with it. Yeah. And then in the last few years, and more specifically like the pandemic years, the last two years, I've gone really far with it. Yeah. And it has become <laughs> one of my favorite genres. It's Remarkable. It's crazy. And also, you know, being a singer, a lot of people are like, oh, jazz singers, you know, they're like theater girls. But the thing I think when I was little is all these different women and some male jazz singers, they were all singing the same songs. Like there was kind of the real book of standards, Mm -hmm. but every version was so different. You know, like Ella Fitzgerald to Nina Simone to Billie Holiday, they're all singing the same exact song, but I felt so different each time. So I really understood the authenticity behind your voice and how you really just have to make it your own and Mm -hmm. interpret it differently. And I had a bit of a lower voice when I hit puberty in high school and my mom gave me a Sarah Vaughn record and she has this like very low voice and I just fell in love that you could be whoever you want to be and Mm -hmm. you can sound however you sound and still be cool. And that's where I just was like, wow, I don't have to sound like anyone else. I just have to kind of, curate who who I am and what kind of voice I have. So, Because mm-hmm. now these days when you listen to the radio, a lot of people sound exactly the same. I really can't tell them apart. Well, they do. <laughs> yeah. And they don't have the best, authentic, like, it's going to sound harsh. No. They don't have the most authentic voice. There's a lot of other things going on. Yeah. You know, like, I yeah, heard yeah. you live last night. I know how you sound. Yeah. There's nothing hiding it. There yes. was some reverb the engineer had to the yeah. PA, but other than that. Yeah, very very dry, clean. Yeah, and like you're very transparent. You've yeah. clearly put in, you know, 25 years of singing. Yeah, well, I thought it was a requirement. But also, you know. <laughs> well, it should be. That's the problem. But also different artists, you know, for me, I'm now just starting to explore more in the production soundscape and things that are, you know, 
more interesting to other artists, you know, like creating these really cool tracks with all these sounds where the production is more important sometimes than the vocal. Mm -hmm. But for me, I was a vocalist. I am a vocalist. So to me, the voice is always one of the main ingredients, I'd say, that mm -hmm. should shine. Yeah, <laughs> and so you're in high school. Mm -hmm. And you, when did you decide, like, I want to go to college for music? The new well, school? my mom was like, you have to do something. Yeah. <laughs> and... She knew my grades were too shitty to get in anything else. <laughs> so she was like, all right, let's try a music school. And I went to a very strict all-girls school where it was very academic because she knew I was going to do something in the arts. So she desperately wanted me to have like a decent education before I fly off and become a hippie art kid. Mm -hmm. So we applied to all these really uh, intense music schools. And I got into most of them, which was great. We had to audition. It was so fun. And I picked New School because it was um, really small. They only accepted maybe under 20 vocalists around the world. Wow. And um, yeah, it was great. There were singers from Asia. So it was just all these different kinds of people singing all the same songs. Mm -hmm. And again, that was like why I fell in love with it, to hear someone with a Taiwanese accent singing Georgia on my mind was just mind-blowing. <laughs> and just hearing how everyone else would interpret phrasing was great, but then we all were looking at each other like, we're in New York, why are we in a classroom? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, no, I just, I, uh, I was obsessed with like going to the best conservatory, and then maybe after the first semester, I was like, bye. <laughs> Is that when you left? Yeah. Just one semester? Just one semester. So, like, it was the most important thing in my life to get in, and then when I got there, I was like, wait, <laughs> I'm in New York, there's jazz clubs right there, I'm yeah. gonna go sing. <laughs> so you're still 18. Yeah. And how long do you stay in New York for? I stayed in New York for a few years after that and just kind of, you know, I'd, I'd come from a very strict high school and suddenly I'm in New York with all these other art kids. I was at new school, which was kind of, you know, fashion, music, mm -hmm. all these amazing kids that were kind of nurtured to stay artistic. And my mom, you know, she was a classical pianist, so she's artistic, but she didn't want me to like dye my hair green. You know, I yeah. probably would have gone full art kid yeah. if I didn't go to the high school. But suddenly I was around like kids that smoked, were so cool and weird. And I was like, oh my God, these are my people. So it was me just coming out of my shell and embracing mm -hmm. there are other kids like me and I can kind of let go. Mm -hmm. So I just lived it up in New York a little, listened to music, went to places I probably shouldn't have. What did you do for like work while you were playing music? I was moonlighting as a jingle singer. So if you've ever heard any old like, Subway sandwich commercials mm -hmm. and things like that, where you ever hear like the jazz voice? Mm -hmm. That was me. Really? <laughs> yeah. You did it for commercials? Yeah, like for voiceover. So, like, there's a couple where um, these are, this is a couple a long time ago, but there's like one spot where the guy's eating a Subway sandwich and all the dogs come up and like the look of love comes on. Like, that was me singing it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was great because it paid a lot. <laughs> And I got to be in a little studio and work on mic technique a little yeah. bit. And I got to sing all these corny jazz jingles. Mm -hmm. And it was fun. <laughs> I always say to people, if you're going to go into the arts, try to always take jobs that are at least relative adjacent totally. to it. And that is relative and adjacent totally. to it. It might not be singing at Carnegie Hall yeah. or at an opera house, yeah. but you're t singing or talking into a microphone, totally. practicing yourself, even learning part of the industry, learning how to oh, navigate and talk to other professionals. 100%, especially because these ad guys, they don't know our lingo. So they'd be like, I don't hear you smiling about the tomato sauce. 
And I quickly realized that means sound brighter. Yeah. You know, like just yeah. the terminology. Mad men. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, we don't hear you, you know, you be sad now. And I'm like, sad, how do I, what does that mean? Like, I'm just singing it. But it's like, you know, change the timbre, a yeah. little darker, more yeah. somber. So it was, it was a good experience and it was fun. I got to sing about like pasta, diapers, <laughs> all the weird, weird shit. How many commercials did you end up doing? I'd probably say... I don't know, maybe around 20 and like a few were syndicated. So they paid pretty well. So I was just like 20 year old buying pianos. Yeah. <laughs> but it was fun. It was really fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. What a interest. Yeah, you probably were not expecting that. Huh? No, not at all. <laughs> and what happens after that? You Well, it's actually funny you said that because I was booked for a jingle and I was waiting at the studio and it happened to be Wyclef Jean's studio mm-hmm. in Times Square. And uh, long story short, the engineer blew me off and Wyclef, I was a little too young for like the Fugees, but I knew who Lauren Hill was, but he, this, you know, celebrity in this full track suit who looked like a star kept walking back and forth. And finally he was like, what are you doing in my studio? Who are you waiting for? And I told him, oh, I'm here for a commercial. I'm supposed to be with blah, blah, blah. And he pulled me into a session with Shakira <laughs> and I'm in now I'm like a dropout from my, or maybe I was still actually in my uh, conservatory. I was in now a professional giant, one of the best studios, Platinum Sound is what it's called, was called, I don't know what it's called now, in Times Square. The whole board, Shakira was there, Wycliffe was there, the full music industry experience 101. And I just sat there and was like, oh my God. And he said, what do you do? Because I'm shy, I'm just sitting there. He's like, oh, I'm a singer. He said, play me something. And I was like, okay. So me and Wyclef go into the live room. There's a Steinway piano. I haven't played a piano because you have to sign up for the practice rooms at my conservatory, and they're always booked. And I don't know any songs besides jazz songs, so I played him like Angel Eyes or some old standard. And he was like, why aren't you doing this for like your career? And, you know, in my family, it's always craft over show. And it was never... I think back about it now and I'm like, what was I going to do with being a musician, like a voice major? Like I never thought about making it. It was more, I just love what I do. I'm so in it. I guess I would have maybe become a vocal teacher or something like that, but it never occurred to me I could do it for like a career. And that was the first time he was like, you should do this for your career. Like, why don't you make an album? And so since then, he kind of took me under his wing and mentored me. And then flash forward, I was on a song with him, Akon, Lil Wayne, touring the world on Letterman with him. And I got to basically moonlight his entire career for four years. Wow. (laughs) And that's where then kind of the introduction to the music industry happened. And that's where I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) So you did this at 19, 20? Yeah, probably around there. Yeah, probably between 19 and 22. That was kind of. Played all over the world. Play all over the world with him when he was one of the biggest stars in the world at that moment. That is a surreal experience. It was. It was like pop star boot camp for someone who was just singing jazz standards. It was very eye opening. Was that overwhelming to go from, you go from Boston to New York, you're just singing and playing and doing some commercials, which is great, Yeah. but then just, that's a huge leap. I mean, if my parents knew some shit I saw, they'd be like, what, what was your life at 19? But, you know, it was incredible because I think because I was so green and because I wasn't desperate to be a star, that was never like my goal. Mm -hmm. 
it was fun, you know, and I really got to learn, you know, and, and I was such a craft person of understanding how it works. So in Letterman, you realize, oh, TV is very different than live shows, mm-hmm. you know, and being someone who is all about accuracy and then moonlighting Wyclef, who's all about, I mean, he's so talented, but he's all about showmanship. You know, he knows how to flip a crowd within 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. And just being around someone who's so comfortable on stage, engaging with his audience, climbing on the rafters, it was just really exciting to learn from him. Mm-hmm. You know, and I really, uh, everyone thinks it's dorky that like, you know, oh, you got your start from Wyclef. I'm like, I actually am very grateful. Why would that be dorky? I don't know. You know, some people are like, oh, because it's so long ago and it's just like sometimes Well, people, how'd they get their start? Well, Did they even have a start? I know. Well, it's funny. <laughs> I, I just think it's, I'm very grateful because now I, I know a little bit about how this works. And I think, you know, he really was my mentor and, and we're still pretty close now. And he said, you know, before his shows, he's got parties, tequila, all these people. And he always would look at me and be like, you don't have to do it this way. You're the artist. You do it however you yeah. want to do it. So he gave me a lot of great advice. And uh, yeah, then how my, did How did you not get into trouble at 19, 20, 21, <laughs> underage. Yeah, underage. There was a couple of shows I wasn't allowed in because like in Vegas we did some shows and we had to convince them to let us in because mm. I was so young. <laughs> like how did you not get into trouble? Were you just, was trouble that natural? what? <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> the, the type that you go, my parents would be upset if they Oh, thought. well I think, you know, I was with Lil Wayne, Akon, and Wyclef, some of the biggest incredible artists of our time back then and <laughs> still now, but they treated me like their little sister. Okay, so thank they kept God. an eye on you and Yeah, stuff. That's for good. sure. I wasn't allowed in certain places and I had curfew, but it was also really good because, you know, for my upbringing, I was kind of a strict all-girls school mm. to then New York and then suddenly flying private jets to perform at the BET Honor Awards in front of Alicia Keys at 20. And I was just like, this is my life. (laughs) I've never been on a private jet, but I'm sure it's an experience, especially at that age. Yeah. And so having such a, to be slingshot, Mm -hmm. to be skyrocketed into Mm -hmm. this industry like that, that's, you went from- I was on the radio suddenly. Yeah, Yeah, uh, everywhere. I mean, you went from singing- at, at the new school about diapers about that di- and then to commercials <laughs> which still gets some no, attention but you're sure. not being seen no no yeah to now being all over the place all over the world big events which is the top of the music industry yeah how do you handle that emotionally mentally i think what started to happen was i realized how hard it is to get to where i got so quickly because of Wyclef and that i wasn't ready in mm. the sense of like I showcased for some record labels and, you know, cause suddenly all these labels were like, who's Naya? How, like, let's sign her, let's sign her. But I hadn't done any of the, the work of understanding what being an artist really means. You know, mm-hmm. I had come from singing standards and, you know, I had written a little bit on my own. I have some songs I wrote when I was little, but nothing with the intent of what it means to be on a record label, to be a functioning artist in the music industry. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. we did a couple showcases and I was super talented. I had all this raw talent, but nobody really knew where I should fit. And I also, I had no idea what I wanted. I know what I, I knew what I didn't want, but I didn't know what I wanted. And Wyclef, he said, look, you need to, and he, was, and he would try to produce me songs, and I didn't like him, you know, mm. and he said, you're the kind of artist where 
you, no one's going to be able to believe you if it's not coming from you. Yeah. And he said, you're going to have to just take some time, work with some people and see what you like and actually just start figuring it out. And mm -hmm. that's what I did, you know, and I worked with some other indie musicians that were my friends, made some really bad music and then started to understand, okay, I think I like these sounds. I think I want to write about this. And I would always ask Clef and he would say, these are cool. And then I put some stuff up on SoundCloud and then that's how the LA connection happened. Mm. So it was kind of this like huge spike with Wyclef and then I kind of needed to go back down to being zero in a yeah. sense yeah. and start again, mm -hmm. you know, cause I, I'm actually really grateful for that. Cause if it had all worked out, I don't think I'd be here still. I think it would have crashed and burned. <laughs> that's a very healthy and yeah. honestly mature mindset yeah. because most people want that fame, especially when they've been singing and practicing yeah. their whole life like you. And to have it at the prime age that a lot of people can get at their early yeah. 20s when they're at their youth physically. Yeah, um, for sure. Which is a big selling point. Yeah. We, we can't hide and lie that youth and looks is a huge selling point totally. in, the, in the film industry, the music industry. And so to have that and then just to be wise enough to know, like, I think I need to, like, actually for lack of better words, earn this, yeah. like, like, go, like do the work and yeah. grind in my twenties, like everybody else, like my contemporaries, like my yeah. peers. Yeah. And so it's very wise. Yeah. You know, no. You, and I was a brat cause you know, Wyclef was producing songs for Shakira that were number one hits. And I was like, I don't like this, <laughs> you know? And like these other record yeah. labels were like, what's wrong? You know? And they wanted to develop me into this and Nora Jones was happening, Amy mm. Winehouse, but I didn't want to listen to anybody. I was too angsty and I just, I wasn't ready. Mm -hmm. You know, I wasn't emotionally ready and I wasn't creatively there. So yeah, I felt like I needed to earn it. I did. What's well, it's good because yeah. being disingenuous is a very easy thing to spot. Yeah. And people will sniff it out and kind of, you'll have fans, but you won't have like the diehard fans. No. And you then, won't. you know, you hear these artists that they hate their first three records because someone forced them to make this right. music. And then that breaks my heart because mm -hmm. Then you hear this one album and no one really likes it, but it's the one the artist loves the most. I'm like, I wish you had made what you wanted from the start, you yeah. know? So I'm grateful that I have no music I really don't like of mine. <laughs> that That's great. It's it's like what you said earlier, you, you're more about the quality yeah. than the quantity. So yeah. how many full-length records do you have out? I have two full-lengths and two EPs, and now one ambient record. One ambient, and yeah. then some singles and whatnot. A couple singles, yeah. yeah. So when did when did your solo career as who you are now start? Did it start after that? Yeah, it started after that. I probably, I put up a few covers on SoundCloud, just not with any intention, just because, oh, everyone's <clears throat> posting to SoundCloud. I should probably do that. Mm -hmm. And I think I put up a, my dream is a wish your heart makes, like an old jazz song, and then like a Jai Paul cover. And <clears throat> people from LA, a couple little labels reached out and flew me out to LA to meet some producers and just kind of say, hey, you should check it out out here. There's some people. And that's when I met um, my first producer that I worked with, Robin Hannibal, who was one half of Rye, the band Rye. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just really liked it. I started to realize, oh, there's some people out here that I think understand what I'm trying to say mm -hmm. or hear my voice and I think could help me find the right production that doesn't overpower my voice, but kind of complements it. Yeah. You know, and so we did a couple sessions and then I found a really cool manager who 
um, I'm no longer with, but she just started to be like, let's try some stuff. Let's put out an EP, see how it goes. And I just started releasing music and that just happened. And then it just started, it just keeps working. The more you work, the more you, the further you go. Yeah. I, <laughs> I couldn't agree more. It yeah. is, it's, it's hard thing to explain to those coming up. You know, I have students in that world. Mm. I have a lot of bands that come through when I record them and do live sessions with them that are starting out younger. And there's a lot of <clears throat> excitement and joy, but they also have a lot of like fear of like, I don't, how do I get to where you are or beyond you or these people I look up to? I'm like, they started like you. You just got to do it yeah. and keep doing it, keep doing it. And people start start taking you more seriously. And then you can start building more connections and relationships and passing the baton to other people and having other people lift you up while you bring up others. And it's, you guys just keep doing it. You got to make it your life. You got to totally. be obsessed and yeah. you got to be driven. But you also can't get discouraged. I mean, it's impossible. At, at moments you post, you, it's your whole life. You spend two years making a record, you post it, and your publicist goes, okay, so what's next? Yeah. And I'm like, um, I just threw my guts on the floor. Yeah. Give me a day. <laughs> but also people don't realize, you know, when you hear the term new artist, those artists have been at it for 10 years. Yeah. There's no such thing as a new artist. No, no. People have been doing this forever, and they're just getting the credit they deserve now, mm -hmm. you know? And that's always what I say to people like, what should I do? I want to be further along. I want to be where you are. I'm like, I was where you were four years ago. You just have to keep doing it. Keep doing it. It's really the only thing. And if you really love it, that's all you'll want to do. Yeah. It should come naturally. Yeah. The not everything's going to be a win. No. You're going to make some bad You're going to make so many mistakes. But I think of it as a timeline. <laughs> you know, you have dots on your timeline and you look back and you're like, wow, that song was way too long. What was yeah. I doing? In but, even stuff behind the scenes, like yeah. I should not have done that, this thing, I shouldn't have played that show, yeah. all these little things that totally. build up, you learn from them, that's For how sure. you know. And there's no ceiling, which mm -hmm. is also something I tell other artists that always ask me, because it's like, you always want more, oh, I want to be this, I want to be that, once you get there, you want more. And to me, I've realized, I just have to set little goals, and then big goals, mm -hmm. you know, and like one of my big goals is to play again on t on tv mm -hmm. but as a solo artist and like that's a bigger goal and then what me and my team we decide is like how do we get there yeah and if it and if we get turned down okay what do we think we can try differently or cool let's put it right here for now and let's focus on these things mm -hmm. so it doesn't always feel like oh i'm not this i'm not getting this mm -hmm. it's important to like celebrate the wins and the small things too that you do instead of always looking forward of what else do I have to do? What else could I have gotten? Why am I not there? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. Celebrating the little wins and, and little sounds demeaning and like belittling, but yeah. it's, it just little means, and big wins. Yeah, right? yeah. Like a big win could be like, yeah, a Grammy or playing right. a late night show um, or headlining a big festival. Sure. But isn't it also a win when you walk through a crowd at Shuba's and you don't know, maybe only know a few people, but the other 150, 200 people in the whole building are there to see you? A hundred percent. And you're not even from here? A hundred percent. And that's just one show. Like, I that's know. a big win. And it's, it's, yeah, it seems small. It's one night. It's, you know, an hour, an hour and a half, but it's, it's a big win because it's like you can keep doing that. For and sure. Learn. And For now sure. people know your music. Now I have been listening yeah. to your music and I, listen to a lot of music and I will show other people and you know I, I forget the name of their song but the song with Laura Lee 
I oh, have on not my, up for discussion. Yes, yes. I, I have know. that one. She's amazing. I know. I love her. Did how did how did that happen? You just we actually met for lunch one day. Oh, nice. And because um, I wanted to work with Krungbin, and they produce um, I forget the other guy's name. I'm so bad with names. But anyway. I wanted to meet with them to see if they wanted to produce some stuff for me. And Laura was the only one that showed up. And we ended up having like the best girls lunch. And we just became friends. And that was way before COVID. So they're they're always on tour. So she was like, we can maybe try to do something remote, but we're always on tour. So it might be hard. But we were both just fans of each other's work. Mm -hmm. And... I was working on Not Up For Discussion and I kept listening to it and I was like, I love this song, but I feel like there's something missing. Like, yeah. I don't know what it is. And it didn't need a featured vocalist, but I was like, what if we ask Laura to just add some spice? Yeah. You know, just add her, her oh, she thing. can add spice. Yeah, and so <laughs> I hit her up and she's like, you want me to be a featured artist? And I just think there's not enough featured instrumentalists out there. Yeah. And she's a female and she's beautiful and cool, so... I just went for it. And she really added, if I, I, a part of me sometimes wants to release the demo without her Mm. and then release the one with her because there's just an energy that happens Mm. that she just brings. But Mm. I love her. We're good friends. Yeah. No, she's, she's She's made bass way cooler than it already was. She's amazing. And she's a great bass player. She's an amazing bass player. They're such a great band. I'm a big fan of them. I know. I saw them at the Greek recently. It was so fun. Really? Yeah. Uh, I saw them here in, at the Aragon in March, Aragon Ballroom, and then I saw them in Dallas, Texas, oh, where they're from, or at least Texas, but Leon Bridges came out, the oh, new cool. Texas Very son cool. with them, yeah. which was great. I know. It was so cool. But, yeah, um, I know, she's the best. Yeah, I... But I love that song. It's one of my favorites. It's it's a good one. I, that one I put on my on a playlist, and I was showing some friends. Nice, yeah, nice. That's good. And so that record has a little bit more like pop sensibility mm-hmm. to it. So did you make, was that a natural transition? Did you make the conscious decision to go like, add my jazz background and skills, fuse it with pop to make it, was it natural or did, was it a decision to go like, I want to make it more obtainable, more more digestible? Well, I think it's a two-tier thing. I think one thing that always surprises me is I thought everybody listened to jazz and my friends don't. Most people you know? don't. Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of was like, I wish I could make music my friends listen to. Mm-hmm. And two, moving to LA, you know, I was on a major label for my first album and I was working with all the big pop writers and I kind of, you know, judged them like, oh, you write for these big pop stars. You probably aren't a great musician, but I don't know. I just, maybe I secretly, I was subconsciously intimidated or something. Yeah. And I started working with some of them and the majority of them, we just didn't mesh because it was too pop for me. And, you know, coming from jazz, I like the blue notes. I like the interesting choices, not just such a generic one, three, five type of melody. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were a few songwriters that blew my mind that write for Selena Gomez, but also write for me and write with me now, just because their ability to write melodies that are both interesting and catchy Mm -hmm. are mind-blowing. And I think that's where I started to realize writing pop music is really complicated. Really? Yeah. When you say write, they write for you, they mean the music or the actual the melody, The melodies okay. with me. So, and some, one of my friends, her name's Chloe, she writes for, you know, Demi Lovato, some of the biggest pop stars. 
Um, and she'll come to a session and what we do is we like both freestyle. We'll just kind of like mumble over the, the song mm -hmm. just to come up with some ideas and she'll literally go, okay, I'm Naya now. And she'll pretend to be me and she'll just kind of like, like come up with stuff. And I'm like, I can't beat that. That's, I wish I could have made that melody. Mm -hmm. So, and she just has the ability to edit a bit more mm -hmm. and create something that's easy to digest but still cool and something that I can put my name on and feel proud of. So mm -hmm. I think where the pop sensibility has come in is where, you know, I'm now respecting people that can make really good pop songs because mm. I can't. I can't write that well or that that clean, that simple, yes. that concise yeah. where it gets in your head so perfectly. And you know, my my goal is to sneak jazz and other elements of classical jazz, other genres into something digestible yeah. in a way. You know, and you, you do that. Thank you do you. that well. I, it's, I could definitely hear it. I can yeah. hear the pop sensibility. But I can hear the jazz. Yeah. And it mostly just the actual timbre and the way you deliver your singing—it's so you. jazz foundation. I know. know. Sometimes I used to wish I sounded different because <laughs> it's not how anyone else sounds on the radio or anything. Yeah. But now I'm like, hey, this is how I sing. It is what it is. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that it's a, a good thing. I'm, you don't want to be where someone sings the song, but they have no idea who you are because you sound like the next person. I, I agree. They yes. might be like, not only is the song catchy, this person has a lovely voice, but it's different enough to where maybe I want to Shazam it or look it up or yeah, type it in or figure it out. For sure. You know? But yeah, no, I think it's fun to, and like we were saying earlier, I don't know if it was on mic or not, it's always fun to just try new things and evolve and try to fuse all these things together mm -hmm. and I'm definitely used to stray away from pop and now I'm not necessarily trying to be pop but just using some of the things that I'm impressed by it yeah in my own music it has a place yeah ha I grew up on it I have an yeah. older sister so I really you know Spice Girls Britney yeah. Spears Christina Aguilera yeah. all of that w way more than the average man would be exposed yeah. to and I, I get it, it, it it's 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 fun. It can yeah. be very tasteful. Sometimes it can go too far and be a little like flat, flat, robotic like. Yeah. yeah. But we all know too that. High end for me. Mm -hmm. Compressed out of its yes. mind. Oh my God. That's the late 90s for you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But think about it this way like Barbara Streisand and all those old, like Judy Holiday or Judy Garland, they were pop artists back yeah. in their day. So it's just a different generation of what pop has become. So it it's, is. it's so interesting that. Some of my old, my favorite old songs, those were the pop stars back then. Mm -hmm. And I wish that was how it is now. So <laughs> it's, <laughs> We'll it's get it. We'll bring it back. Do you feel like it's taken on a new image now where it's not just how you sound or the formula or the hook, but also your fashion, your presence, your look, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, yeah. YouTube. Yeah. It's weird, right? It's a, it's a full, you have to be five different jobs. I know. It's a five. I know. You yeah. don't get to just be like, I'm a singer. I mean, some can be when they make it so well off, they can pay everyone to do all these things. Yeah. But if you're in this gray area where you are getting by as a musician, but you still have to kind of be responsible for some of those things yeah. and interact with it, it's weird. It's like the world knows you exist, but yeah. you almost don't exist unless you're existing on the internet. Oh, 100%. I know. Well, how do you feel about that? Uh, I feel weird about it. You know, as an <laughs> I introvert, do too, I don't want to share my breakfast with anybody. I don't think that's, I don't know why anyone would care <laughs> that I'm having, you know, eggs benedict, you yeah. know. But I'm starting to understand, you know, even like last night, some fans came up to me 
And I didn't realize how much they knew about me because they listen to the podcast, they listen to my interviews, they look at my Instagram. And I don't know, it's just interesting that they're connecting on such a deeper level. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used to be very intimidated by the whole, you know, post, you got to post, you got to share, you got to comment, you got to caption. And now I'm just trying to control it in a way of it's my Instagram. No one's telling me what to do. Like you almost feel out of control at some, at some point, like, oh, I have to do this, I have to do this. Like, you know what? This is my Instagram. I can do whatever I want here. Mm-hmm. I control it. No one's going to tell me what to do. If I don't like a comment, I can delete it. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes we lose that awareness of like, we can control whatever we want. It's my, yeah. it's my voice. I could do it. And, you know, for me, it's important to showcase that I'm a musician. Yeah. But one of the things I will say is because I'm so introverted and more, I was more mysterious, I'm realizing people actually do like to learn a little bit of, more about my real life and, like, things that are important to me. Mm-hmm. And I always assume and hope the music should just speak for itself. I hate when people are like, so what is this song about? And I'm like, just listen to it. You know, yeah. it is, it's right there. Yeah. That's why I made it. And now everyone's wants to explicate everything. And, oh, what are you wearing? I'm like, I'm wearing a dress. You see the dress. <laughs> I tagged the label. It's all the information is right there. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But I'm realizing like, you know, I'm grateful to be in this position where people want to share or or learn about me sharing, but it's pretty crazy. It's too much. I think it could, I hope we go back to where it's a bit less intrusive. I do too, but it's not. It's 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 going to get worse. And the more we're going to have like webcams on our head now. That, that too, the, the metaverse. But yeah. even just the more pop you get as an individual, it's the scary. more happening. It's very scary. I, I can't imagine what it's like. I mean, uh, doing the things I do between the fast, the shows, the podcast, uh, teaching, recording bands, and live sessions, there's a lot of different avenues for people to reach out. And, and I'm a man, so it's not nearly as intense as it can be mm-hmm. for someone like yourself, mm-hmm. a, a woman. So I can't imagine what it's like, but... It's equally flattering when people reach out as it can be equally like I, my response will to respond to everything yeah. with like a big heart and be honest and actually give a well thought out response. That's of super course. time consuming. Oh, it is. Yes. So do you find yourself when people, I know people probably reach out to you every day. Yeah. Do you find yourself feeling bad or guilty you can't give a good response but also you're like what am I supposed to do like yeah I'm only I mean, one it, human. it's not possible is what you have to remember I think it's just sometimes fans forget that I don't have you know a full day and, and there are days where I really try to dedicate to responding to some people and um yeah, because I get some really personal messages and that means a lot to me, especially mm-hmm. the ones that they say like my music has really helped them through dark yeah. times yeah. and it's always surprising when I hear those because I can't believe people one still listen to my music. I also am still processing people have sex to my music. I think it's so crazy. <laughs> but I get it, you know? Like it's just yeah. a weird feeling of how people That's listen funny. to my music. Yeah. Like, oh, I, me and my husband and like someone said they named their baby Naya and I was like, "Oh my god." Wow. So it's just it's all exciting. It's really exciting, but it's it can be very stressful, but it's a choice to let it bother you or not. And I think for me you know, and kind of what you said, as a woman, there's a lot of opportunities with fashion and all these brands and tagging and Instagram is now like an online shop. It's a whole yeah. thing. And, you know, back in the day, you know, like 60s and the 80s, fashion and music used to be 
hand in hand no matter what. Mm -hmm. But now it just feels very forced a little bit. And Mm -hmm. to me, you know, tagging brands and promoting other things, I'm only going to do it if I care about the products or if I use them. Why would I pretend that I wear this if I don't? You know, I think being genuine is the most important thing. Because also people will buy things, you know. I, I don't believe in people just taking money to promote a face product that doesn't work. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. And also I'm a musician, so I don't know why I have to do that anyway. <laughs> but I also am a skin freak. So it's like the things that I care about, I uh, will elaborate. Skin yeah. freak. What do you mean by that? Oh, I'm obsessed with skincare. Like I mean I could tell because your oh, skin looks very nice. Thank you. Thank but you. I would like to hear because I'm trying to be better at it. Oh I got a you. lot of men please yeah. uh, a lot of men are not good at it. Well it's much it's very targeted to, towards women. I feel like you guys are excluded in all these Instagram I know. ads. What the heck? Well I there's a couple of great brands that I'll tell you later. They're so okay. good. But yeah, there's yeah, I love skincare, I love animals, I do love clothes. But now I'm really becoming a gear nerd. I'm I'm obsessed with I can help with that. Yeah, I know. I need a list of things. <laughs> gear like mics, preamps, like amplifiers. Junos. Junos. I have a Juno at my house. Yeah, I have a profit, but apparently I have the wrong profit. Mm. So I'm just starting to learn. And I got a muter for my piano I'm obsessed with. Nice. So yeah. <laughs> it's a whole world out there on Inst- the Instagram. Instagram's funny. It it is like where musicians thrive and live like all artists anybody who's doing something creative instagram is like the place facebook is weird facebook is where you go to just okay i guess my I family know. can find out what i'm doing i know and tiktok <laughs> is a whole nother beast that is too so. or do you do you do tiktok i have a tiktok but i haven't started it yet because i don't know what i want to do on it i think i might just be crazy on it oh uh, okay because like i don't want to do covers yeah you know yeah, yeah. i'd rather the other people do that tiktok is another really big one right now i i've I know of past bands that I've worked with that have blown up just from a video going viral on it. I know. The simplest thing, millions of tags. I'm like, I know. Who'd have thought? It's, I know. It's, the viral video thing that makes people up is a, very, a little strange for me because yeah. some, it, is, it is really random. It is random, and that's why you, know, you can't only try to make music in hopes to go viral or something's going to hit. In my mm. opinion, if you stay... In music long enough, something's gonna work. Yeah, something's yeah. gonna give. Stay in the pocket yeah. and focus, and your skill yeah. will shine. It'll and come maybe through. something will go viral on TikTok. Great. Yeah. But if not, something else is gonna happen too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That. No. It. It's got to be so hard as like a younger artist coming up right now, like an eighteen-year-old. Oh, I don't know how they do it. I don't either. I mean, or maybe they're doing it better than us. Because they have a lot to learn they're from. in this generation, though, where they know how to TikTok, you know, do all the things all at once. They're probably know? laughing at us. I know. When they hear like, this, like, these I know. dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about skincare and Formula know. One. <laughs> hey, these are cool, young kids. Get, get with it. Formula get One and it. skincare. Formula One is an art craft. Yes. An engineering art craft and just the design alone. And to talk about fashion, I know. Lewis Hamilton Oof. is ridiculous with this. I mean, ridiculous in a good way with his fashion. Like, where is he getting these things? I know. They're gifting it to him so I'm, he can I'm, post it and tag sure, it on his Instagram. I'm sure everything <laughs> he wears is just given to him. Every morning he wakes up, there's a new thing wear. Okay. Lucky. <laughs> so so um, I'm trying to think of if we can go back to the, the yes. linear timeline because yes. we've been going everywhere, Sorry. which is, no, it's yes. good. That's why I like these things. There's no rules. <laughs> You're in your late 20s. You're starting to do a lot more music. You're in L.A. So L.A. is like the mecca of the music industry in America, in the world, maybe. Um, Chicago, 
is up there. New York is probably right behind LA. Yeah, New York, Nashville, Nashville Miami, even Miami. maybe a little, yeah. I guess it depends on the genre exactly, you're trying to go into. Exactly. If you're going into like underground indie scene, Chicago's amazing yeah. for that. If you're going to the pop world. Probably LA. Probably LA. Yeah. So you're in LA now. Is it overwhelming? Is it does it feel oversaturated? Because that is where everyone goes. It's when I hear about it, I hear LA. I think what was the hardest was it was beautiful outside. I couldn't uh, write. How do you get motivated when you're not sad? That exactly. <laughs> I was, you know, glamorizing being this masochist in New York City. Like, you know, I was hungover in the dark in this tiny apartment with my shitty upright piano. And now suddenly I'm in LA with this beautiful light blonde piano where there's a pomegranate tree outside. Oh my God. The sun is shining. I'm like, what? What's, I, ups- what's upsetting? I Nothing. couldn't write. It took me maybe two months to figure out just how to get my process down. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly I was like, oh my God, I feel amazing. I have my kale smoothie. The sun is shining. I feel healthy and happy. I can write. Meaning the songs were better because I was in a better state of mind. Mm -hmm. So then I just became obsessed with writing during the day when I felt good and not hung over or, you know, when it's raining outside. So it it took me a minute to make that switch, but the songwriting became stronger because I was in a healthier state of Mm -hmm. mind and just physically and everything. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that was tough. And were you working with you probably working with producers. Were you working with the band at all? Were you just doing stuff on your no, own? No, I was working more with like producers and some songwriters just to try it out. And then we would bring in some musicians. LA has some great musicians. Yeah. Um, but predominantly with producers that could basically play everything. And since I play piano, a lot of the times I would bring my little piano demo to them and we'd kind of produce it out and stuff yeah. like that. Did you double, triple down like the acting, modeling music? I hear a lot of people do that. A little bit. I think it's hard to multitask. And, you know, what I've learned, especially being in L.A., like commit to one and then the other couple will follow. Mm-hmm. So and I just loved music the most. And I did a little acting, but then you realize you really have to commit to it. You got to. Yeah. And I'm a you know, I want to learn the craft, you know, and I was up for a couple roles for things because a lot of these movies now they want singers. Yeah. But it felt weird taking it away from people that work their whole lives being actors that can also sing. So I was just like, you know what? I'm going to be a musician. Wow. Yeah. And eventually (laughs) I'll do it. (laughs) That's very like humbling to be yeah. like, you know what? I could do it, but I'd rather give it to people who've yeah. been working harder than me. Yeah. I mean, just cause I can sing and I have a tiny bit of indie buzz doesn't mean I should in- get the, <laughs> get the buzz. role, you know, and yeah. modeling, you know, was always here or there. And that's just cause I'm tall and mm. fashion stuff was always interesting to me, but, and now yeah. fashion and music go hand in hand. So they it's just really kind do. of part of it. I'm very grateful for that. Every band, even garage rock, indie rock, fashion, and music is like it's so apparent now. Yeah, it's it's because there's a lot of money in it. <laughs> yeah, and it's like because we're being seen so much. You're on Instagram, you're on Facebook, totally. you're on Twitter, and you're on TikTok every day. Now you want to look like unique and presentable and colorful sure. and alive and vibrant. Yes, yeah. totally. Um, so you you didn't really go to the modeling modeling route and the film route. You stayed with music. You said you didn't really tour a lot. You've only done a couple? No, I just did a couple because I, I became like more a studio person. I was trying to make music because I had no music. You know, yeah. I had a couple demos with the Wyclef era, but, you know, I started again and working with some of these producers in L.A., they were on a very different level. So 
than my friends in New York. And I started to um, just really focus on making some music. And I released an EP. Then I got signed to a major label and worked on my first album. Which Put label? Atlantic. I was on Atlantic for my first. Never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a great experience. It was, um, I felt like if I didn't sign, I would have always wondered what would have happened if I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and, and now my second one, I was independent. And then the ambient one is on like an indie label. So it's fun to try some things. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to take a risk, take a chance, but also not be afraid if things don't feel right either. Because mm-hmm. it has to line up. The partnership has to make sense on both ends. Yeah, you don't want to sign your soul away to a contract and they screw you financially. Yeah, it's just a lot. There's a lot of, there's a lot of options. Also, you have a bunch of other artists on the label too. You have to... Um, you know, if like Bruno Mars decides to fart, every other album has to wait to Bruno Mars to fart, you know, or something like that. It's <laughs> oh, a funny example. No. But is you he, know is what he I, on Atlantic? He's on Atlantic, okay. yeah. <laughs> I was like, there's Because he's be probably, re- I would say, with one of their biggest artists, yeah, so. Uh, yeah, definitely. Well, love Bruno definitely. Mars, though, so. Yeah, no, he's amazing. Silk, the last the Anderson Pac Bruno yeah, Mars single. Silk Sonic is so fun to me. So cool. Yeah. Um, so did you find yourself... So you start doing music more like on your own in the late 20s. Your first record, mm-hmm. you're in your late 20s, right? Which mm-hmm. is not as common. Most people start doing that earlier. Did, yeah. did you... F- I think uh, maybe mid... I don't know. I have no sense of time anymore. Well, Somewhere well, in my 20s. What first record? I don't even know. You don't even know? I don't even know. I should know. In the last five years? Six, six or seven? Six or seven. Okay. So mid, late 20s. Okay. Yeah. Did you find yourself... Did it ever feel like Probably around I'm running like out of 20, time? Uh, yeah. Running out of time? Yeah, like um, uh, it's too late, it's not too late. Or maybe because you had that experience touring the world, you didn't feel like it was too late. I mean, the first questions you get asked, usually as a female, I would say, are how many followers do you have and then how old are you? Um, so there's always this kind of ageist yeah. bubble that happens. But for me, I try really hard not to let it get to me. Also, because yeah. I think your work should speak for itself. And these days there are older artists Mm -hmm. crushing, especially female artists. And I think the reason is because we took, we take our time and now we know what we want and we have more confidence a bit now and Mm -hmm. we're killing it, you know? So I think it's less important these days, but back then I think maybe I wasn't even aware of how, ageist things are I think I was just like whoa I'm making an album on a major label how exciting and Mm -hmm. didn't realize people at 15 are usually making their first Mm -hmm. album so I was just excited and it was fine luckily I still looked pretty good so (laughs) (laughs) the skincare yes and the kale it's all that kale do you so you you when you tour like today to follow a routine because you're you're playing you're up late you're playing this you're traveling with diet, exercise, regimens, even like skincare, do you yeah. find that challenge? Do you find it to be the most important thing? You do that first, you take it seriously? I think vocal health is the most important thing. Mm. I mean, I even when I would do shows when I was younger, I think that's my um, jazz concert, like competition days, because it was always about winning the competitions. So I take things very seriously. Yeah. So I have like my Slippery Elm, I have all these like witch potions that I take on tour with What's me. What's a slippery elm? Slippery elm is this herb and it's basically kind of like, it's basically like a syrup, like a maple syrup, but it's from elm, elm trees. Mm-hmm. 
And basically what it does is it lubricates your vocal cords and all your intestines also. So people can use it if you have like tummy problems. But whenever we sing and we like, <clears throat> like clear our throats, our vocal cords slap together and it's really bad for our vocal cords. So what Slippery Elm does is it lubricates them. So it kind of creates this barrier. So when I'm singing and belting and screaming or talking a lot, it basically just kind of protects them oh. and helps everything just stay lubricated because you can get really dehydrated on tour. So I have like my Slippery Elm. I have all my throat um, washes just mm -hmm. to clear the, clear it out. But also sometimes I usually don't talk very much. I don't really drink on tour. Um, and it really makes a difference. Yes. Drink. Drinking makes it. Dehydrates it. your vocal cords. It's the worst it just thing slows, for you. It messes everything up. I know. And I'm Italian, so I love cheese and wine more than anything. So it's devastating when I can't <laughs> order like a four cheese yeah. mac and cheese. But yeah. I will one day after a tour. Yeah. But it's still fun. But also at the same time, you know, I want to put on a great show. So it's my job to present my voice the best way I can. Yeah. You it, know? That's, it's not as glamorous as people would think. It's like... I have to take care of myself on this. In fact, I have to try extra hard because yeah. I'm not sleeping right. I'm not in the same place every night. Yeah. I'm traveling a lot, jet lag. Yeah. I actually have to try a lot harder to maintain the immune system. For 100%. And it's not some crazy party. I'm sure at a certain level it yeah, can be. Yeah, and, and you shouldn't be too rigid. I do believe, like, I think it's important. I mean, I'm not a full-on rock star breaking shit and going wild, but <laughs> it's fun to do it sometimes. It's just if that's, do it when you feel like you want to do it. Because, yeah. like, even last night, I wanted to, but I also knew I have more time to do it in Toronto where I'm going next. So mm -hmm. like there'll be one rager night. Yeah. You know, but then I know I'll have all my things lined up in the morning, the supplements. Yeah. Just be prepared. Yeah, be prepared. Be prepared. When you when you know you're gonna have like a, a rager night, like drink or smoke a lot, do you do you like prepare like you'll okay, kick out my coconut water? I got my oh yeah. I steam. There's <laughs> yeah. a steam is really important too. Steam. Yeah. So I go into the bathroom and I, everyone hates me right now in the Airbnb because <laughs> uh, I steam up the bathroom where you can barely see because it, it, uh, yeah. yeah, it's a humidifier basically. Yeah. And steam opens your, why do they hate you? Because you used they, up all the hot they water. They go in, well that, and also they go in there. It's like a steam room yeah. you know, everything's sticky. <laughs> nah, so. where's all the hot water? I know. <laughs> Like I get first shower, I call it. But it's fun. It's you know, and now this whole wellness movement that's happened, I think, is really important and amazing. It's just I think sometimes people don't realize how to personalize it. Everyone's like, oh, you know, treat yourself, self care, you know. But I don't. I at first when this happened, I was like, what does that mean? Like, what do you mean, take care of myself? Like, just put on a face mask and listen to Lizzo, you know? Yeah. And I'm supposed to feel better, yeah. you know? But yeah. it's. You really have to try some things and figure out what works for you. Mm -hmm. So steam and witch stuff help. What helps witch me? Stuff. <laughs> Is this thi are these things that other people have told you about? Or you figured out over your life? I've tried some stuff. You know, like I hate throat coat. Everybody talks about the throat the throat coat tea, which mm -hmm. basically numbs your throat. I'm like that's not for me. Mm -hmm. But there are some things that really help your voice, like slippery elm. Lemon, if you are congested, but lemon also strips your voice. So if you're going to be singing a long set, you do not want lemon because mm. that'll make it go uh, drier faster because it's mm. acidic. You yeah. don't want anything acidic. Flat soda is the best. Flat, flat soda. Flat Coca-Cola. Really? Yes. So like on stage, sometimes I'll have a flat can of Coke. Why, why that? Because it's syrup. So it basically kind of coats, but you can still feel your throat. Mm. Like a throat coat tea, you can't really feel it. Isn't that a healthier version then? 
Sugar? I mean, I'm sure like Gatorade, anything kind of sugary, but soda for some reason, there's just probably those chemicals in syrup. (laughs) But it's nice because it it kind of is like a... Soda was the last thing I thought someone like you would ever mention. Some of these tricks. I actually got that one from, do you know who Jennifer Holliday is? The original so. Dream Girls. You remember that song? And I am telling you. Mm-hmm. So she was the original one who sang that musical. And then Jennifer Hudson, you know her, mm-hmm. the American Idol. She redid it in the movie with mm-hmm. Beyonce. But Jennifer Holiday was basically one of the best singers ever, I think. More even so than Whitney Houston, I want to say. <gasps> you got really quiet when I you said that. <laughs> and I saw her perform... Um, in a small church in Provincetown with my mother. And my I didn't know who she was. My mom was like, oh, my God, Jennifer Holiday, She's an icon. And she came on stage. She was maybe like, I, don't, I think she's still alive, I hope. Maybe in her 70s. She looked about 200. She's a very tiny, this beautiful black woman. She had this little rinkety-dink karaoke machine. And she sang all these hits, but she had four cans of Coke just like lined up on a stool. And I was like, why is she drinking Coke? And she goes, flat Coca-Cola is the trick. And ever since then, I've been doing it, and it works. Wow. I yeah. never would have thought. I know. So how often do you do that? Only when I need it. Sometimes I'll have tea, and now that I do my slippery elm and some like salt gargling, that's it. And room temperature water, never cold. Room temperature water. Yeah. Unless, like right now, my voice sounds a little lower because I'm tired and because I sang all night. So I would be drinking cold water tonight if I had a show. Mm. So it'll tighten everything up. Got it. <laughs> and so no show tonight. You have a show tomorrow night? I have a show on Sunday. Sun- oh, so a couple of days off. Yeah. That's great. I know. In Toronto. Toronto, yes. And so that's where you're going to have fun? Yeah, is I'm going to do why? a little raging. No. <laughs> and raging for me is like, whoa, mac and cheese. <laughs> I mean, me yeah. too. It's like I'm going to have some pizza yeah. Saturday. For the first time? Yeah. Maybe some mezcal. I love a good tequila. Mm, okay. Yeah. So your drink of choice is tequila? Yeah. I love wine, wine, but it's so acidic lately. Wine. I know. And I get like very stuffy. Chest heartburn. Is, the heartburn. is not good for your voice. No. The up. next morning after <laughs> I have like a bottle of wine or two <laughs> and too much cheese and salami yeah. and olives and... All of it. It's amazing in the moment. That oh. night is a fun oh, night. Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> and the next day you're like, this is why I do this once a month. I know. But it's always good to indulge sometimes, I say. You have to live. Yeah. Why else are we doing this for? Like, you're working totally. so hard and traveling so hard so you can live. I know. Right? I, know. I had a shot last night. Yeah? yeah. Oh, at someone buy it for you or something? Yeah, I had a shot of Don Julio. Oh, classic. I know. <laughs> I, I, I prefer, like, the bourbon mm. scotch. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Smooth. It's smooth, but I've noticed a lot of people aren't big fans of drinking like neat. They always want Ooh, it with like want... a Coke or ice. Or... No, you got it neat. Neat is classy. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> and beer? No beer? I'm from Boston, so you people are always surprised that I can drink a beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no no accent. You completely lost oh, it, huh? Oh, thank God. Yeah. No. I never, <laughs> I never had it. I never you never had, had it. it? No, I think because my mom sent us to like an all-girl pretentious private school oh okay but i had a lot of boyfriends that had them <laughs> no yeah i can't yeah, do no, it yeah. pack the car <laughs> right oh, God. get yourself a quarter you could probably do it well yeah it's okay yeah the yeah ben affleck the ben affleck the ben affleck voice the ben affleck yeah. voice. <laughs> so um touring have, have you gone Aside from the earlier two you did in your early 20s, have you gone to other countries yet, Europe? Mm, mm, 
I have done a show in London, and I can't remember. Oh, yeah, you have no bad mem- memory. I think just a couple, not many. Maybe London. I think that might be it. Have you, be always, have you always had, had a bad sense of time and memory? Horrible. I should really? be doing more of those Suzuko. What are those puzzles? Sudoku? Sudoku. Suzuko? That sounds like something I'm else. I'm a visual too. learner, so anything visual I can remember. Like if you played me one song, I could remember all the lyrics. Mm. Just because I can associate them with melody, which mm-hmm. is oratory. But like if you just talk to me, I won't remember anything. Mm. But also maybe I'm just getting older. I don't know what it is. But I also think I've just never had a good memory. And you've Um, always just... But melody I can remember and visuals. Like Mm. I'll remember what you're wearing for 30 years. This this mug? Yes, I'll remember it. But dates, places, time. Someone asked me to sign a vinyl last night and they were like, can you date it? And I was like... What's today's date? Twelve? What? <laughs> yeah, like twenty twelve. I'm, I'm almost the opposite. I dates oh, and times well, and numbers. You know, you're a professor. I have to. Be. You gotta be on that <laughs> on that level. It's been a problem. I, it's not really a problem. It's been the way I've functioned my whole life. It happened today. I'm jealous. That sounds so cool. It's bittersweet. Okay. I'll tell you where it's sweet first, and tell where me. it's absolutely bitter. Where it's sweet is you don't need Facebook or Instagram to remind you to text your friend it's their birthday. That's insane. You just go, oh, it's today. It's it's Matt. It's my friend Matt's birthday. I won't say his last name, and I text him. Or it was yeah. It was today. You'll just remember. Just re- I remember everyone's birthday. It's oh like my. if you you don't have to, but if you told me your birthday, July eleventh. I'll never forget that. Wow. July eleventh. Yeah, seven eleven. Seven eleven. How do you really remember? Easy. You just like store it. It's a. It's like a. It's a form of synesthesia. Okay. Where how I map out numbers and shapes is mixing it with colors, and. Almost like design. So like July mm-hmm. is orange. Mm-hmm. Eleven is yellow. Okay. Seven is also kind of orange. Okay. So like, are it, you de- designating these colors? No, right it, now? that's just how I see it. Okay, that's how it, it is perceived in my mind. Okay. So between having that and also the way I view time, I don't want to sound like Matthew McConaughey. No, I'm hey, obsessed. But it is a flat circle, <laughs> <laughs> and but it has a break in it. It's almost like a horseshoe. Okay. And where that break is is this weird gap, what I like to call the in-between. Okay. I sound crazy right now. No, you don't. I'm like (laughs) obsessed. Continue. The in-between where (laughs) everything happens and matters that we can't quantify. And that's where I have this like horseshoe in my head. So the colors go around this horseshoe. The months do. The dates do. And I can see everyone and where they are on that horseshoe. And it just stays in my mind. I could just like literally like a robot, like flicker my eyes and just like find it. But how do you have enough storage? I don't know. They got upgraded me many See, terabytes I, that's a what long I time feel like ago. I need to take out one of these floppy disks. <laughs> you have floppy disks. I have floppy disks. I have solid state. That's what I mean. I need terabytes. Yeah, I have like you need the way floppy. more terabytes. You have like kilobytes right now. I think that's what it is. I need more storage. It's also something that I practice. Like okay. I don't, I will do not I, use a calculator. I force myself to figure it out in my head. Like those mathematic, mathematical equations that I was doing when I was minusing the hertz in half, but even getting the halves correct, that's just like doing it on the fly because I, one of my biggest apps I use is not Instagram or Google Maps. It is a calculator. I'm always calculating stuff. Distances. When I drive, I always calculate how to figure out the gas versus range versus my trip set versus the RPM. And I like, that's an obsession. Damn. So well, it's that's sweet insane. when you're trying to figure out things and be good at orchestrating and organizing things, which 
I organize things for a living. So it's really great there. Here's where it's catastrophic and terrible. Okay. Love. What do you mean? You remember every date. How every, is that bad, love? Because if, you get, if you're broken up, oh. you're, you remember everything. Everything. First time I listened to Nia's vinyl with this woman, it's, I'm, I'm making up stuff. It's May 4th and forever. Can't you delete? No, there's no deleting. <gasps> it's bad. But then maybe you should write a novel. Like, do, <laughs> do you journal any of this all out? No, I don't, need a, I don't even need a journal. <clears throat> I have everything. I could recall so much. You're just so orbiting much. on such a higher level. It hurt. And it really does hurt when it comes to like heartbreak. Well, why don't you write some songs about it? I have. I do yes, all the time. That's why okay. I'm a musician. <laughs> I mean, and a lot of poems, a lot of poetry. Then it's definitely a win-win, my friend. And you'll just have to cry it out. I do a lot of that too. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Crying is a very useful tool. That I agree. Well, women, it's been socially acceptable. That's forever. True. Men, it's like, what's wrong with this person? <laughs> and it's not fair. It's not cool. It's like, I know. Why can't I put on a record and, and cry? cry? <laughs> I know. Apparently, there was a woman last night who was going through a divorce and she didn't realize all my songs were about breakup. So she had to leave. <laughs> yeah, they are. I was actually going to say that while we were never really friends. Yeah. That one kind of stung. Yeah. Can you, can you talk about that one? Well, you know when you date someone, yeah. but you weren't friends before. You just yeah. started dating this person yeah. that became your significant other, and then you break up. I don't want to be your... We were never friends, so right. why would we try to be friends now? And it, why is that the first place people go to when they break up? They go, do you want to be... Do you think it's just like trying to figure out something to say? They don't... They feel bad? I mean... And you know who normally says it? Who? <clears throat> the person who broke up with oh, the person. Oh, for sure. It's not the person who's been broken up with. For sure. I've never said it, but... <laughs> I mean, most of my exes probably would like to light me on fire, but. <laughs> Elaborate. What do you mean? Uh, I don't have great breakup stories. They're pretty, pretty uh, dramatic and extreme. Um, yeah. Yeah. Why? Tell I, I've been a bad girlfriend most of the Well, I'm just, you know, <laughs> I'm a romantic. This is the most I've caught you not being able to explain something. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to figure out how to say it without getting myself in trouble. Um. Eh, I haven't been the best girlfriend all the time. I I start out. It also depends. Don't promise me the moon, and then I didn't ask for the moon. Don't promise me all this shit, and then abort the mission halfway. You know, like I I don't I don't have that many expectations. People fall in love very quickly. They want to give me the stars, and I'm like I didn't ask for it. Mm. And then if you can't keep it up, I'm probably gonna go find someone else. But oh, okay, I've grown up. I've grown up a lot. I'm in a healthy. Also, you realize, you know... <laughs> you haven't been able to finish a sentence. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm in a healthy... Well, you realize. No, I mean, Ace Hotel is about an affair. I've had a couple affairs. I'm definitely... Uh, I don't know. I'm definitely a little naughty. I've tried some stuff. I've, the affair know. thing is very interesting to me because yeah. it is so common, yet yeah. we, like, don't talk about it. Of course. People say, like, no, nah, that's... I would never do that. It's like almost everybody I know... Kind of. If yeah. it wasn't a physical thing, maybe emotional cheating. Oh, for sure. But something. Yeah. What? Why? Why? I think now, especially more than ever, it's easier just to get attention from anything, any strangers. You can get attention anywhere. And yeah. it's almost impossible because we want it all the time. Even when our phones buzz, we get like the endorphin kick. Sure. So if we're with one person and they're not literally doing it 24-7 and you're not the most secure, perfectly through therapy human, you're going to probably seek it out at some point. Or when someone gives it to you, 
you'll potentially connect with them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Or we're all just freaks. I can't. I think it's the latter. Yeah, right? It's the freak thing. I, I mean, for sure. But it I've almost definitely takes learned. discipline not to. Well, that's what I, that's also something I've learned. I think it's also, you know, like when I glamorized being a masochist in New York, I think I glamorized falling in love with these dark characters and like all these people with problems. And I, we all have our problems. Yeah. So I think I'm realizing as I get older, like I'm too old for this shit. Yeah. I want someone who's stable, who like reads the paper, <laughs> who has no idea who Usher is, you know, like just someone. <laughs> Who's not in the mix? Just yeah. someone off the grid. That's a great point. So you, you know, I learned I was picking the wrong people for me. I was attracted to drama, and then I created even more drama. Yes, I loved it. I thrived on it. So you almost being so in the scene, the music, and you almost want someone who's not. Now I do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think we're all crazy in music in a good way. I know crazy is a, a touchy term, but we're emotional. We're all very, you know, we all, and everybody has trauma, not just musicians, normal people do too, not Mm -hmm. in the industry. But I think I just really thrived on needing uh, conflict. Yeah. I really wanted conflict. I would create the conflict. Hurt You First is a song about how I'm going to do the hurting first because I don't want to deal with you doing it to me. And also I just would rather blow it up first. Why, Why do that? It's a control thing. You know, I have too much pride. To yeah. wait around for you to screw me over. So I'm going to do it first. Yeah. You know? That's so... Nobody's also about an affair. <laughs> I'm not. When I, I'm I mean, a... I'm, I guess I'm just this <laughs> slut. I don't know. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. <it's... laughs> I wouldn't say that. No, but you know what I mean. How I, many? I'm a passionate person. How many? Or maybe three. Three? Three. Okay. Not that many. Three. Okay. My lucky number. <laughs> Is that what that's from? Kind of. And like zero are for the relationships. Your tattoos are in really... I've, zero relationships have mattered. Well, Three. no, no. Well, each zero is for a failed relationship, like a big one that I've created. And it's also my favorite word, but it's to go back to zero to reset. Okay. I like to kind of create things that remind me of like things that matter in my life, like a yeah. timeline, things that I like to, branding is the, is a strong word, but kind of brand myself with things that remind me and help me keep going or yeah. reset. Okay. Totems, kind of. So, so that took a strange turn. No, I love I it. Mean, your music <laughs> career really does stem from relationships and and some turmoil in yeah. some way, either your own or theirs. But the blowing it up thing that fascinates me because I've seen that a lot. I've never been that type of person. I don't. It doesn't click in my head. Well, that's because you're smart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like when I like someone, care about someone, love someone. That's it. Like, yeah. I'm choosing to do that because that's all I want. I don't yeah. need anybody else. Everyone else goes into like this that's amazing. separate bracket of I love who that. they are. I wish more people were like that. I, I don't know. I don't even have a problem with it. It's so natural to me. Well, it's it's if you don't have it naturally like you do, it's a skill set, you know, yeah. and I think also we're all egomaniacs these days and desperately want attention and especially girls we love to be flattered and there's guys everywhere giving us this but I think it's like an ego lesson you learn very quickly and then when I did hurt someone I realized wow I really hurt this person and then you realize I want to make these standards for myself Mm -hmm. you know and that's where I've shifted of what's important to me as being a good person what are my moral lines and cheating isn't one of them anymore I don't want to do that even just for me I don't want to be that person. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not even about 
hurting other people anymore. It's just like a standard for myself. Yeah. You know, I want to be. Well, in a way, it still hurts yourself. Yeah. You know, it's not cute. No. It's not it, cute. It, I'm sure you don't. It was fun, but <laughs> I got, I get some free Ace Hotels now, but you know. Free, wait, what? I had an affair at the Ace Hotel, so I get free rooms at the Ace Hotel sometimes now because I have a song about the Ace Hotel. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> but that hey, seems it's to life. be the place they mostly happen is hotels. Of course. Yeah. No, I've never, I've never had that. Never had one. So don't. They're, I mean, they're fun, but just watch the movies. I will listen to your songs. Yeah. I guess I can live vicariously through you. Well, that's what's crazy. You. They're they're literally like word for word, word for word. Those are all nothing is fake in my lyrics. No, I mean that's good. And sometimes I'm like, shit, this kid's gonna hate me. But no, <laughs> <laughs> that was too odd. Yeah. But like, but we, I gotta be go honest. Back. Being genuine is where you can where you can grow as a musician, and people love it. No matter what the content is, being genuine is being genuine, and we appreciate it. It's what has made podcasting so popular yeah that's like the true. fact we're having these conversations yeah. if you went on johnny carson or david lennerman to speak to him 10 yeah. 20 years ago you would never say well i had these affairs oh no oh it would be god. media trained it would yeah. be all fluff no oh my god yeah. like it would never i would be also there. just keep promoting something i feel like just getting back to promoting yeah it all be <laughs> it would never be the end of conversation in a few hours i can come to know someone yeah and in a weird way because we're so close to each other, we're looking in each other's eyes, yeah. saying these important things that are very honest I know. and in-depth. Don't I, judge me. No, I'm not <laughs> judging you. I have, I have too many friends that I've talked to too many people, and I realize the more I do this, why I like it, it's very therapeutic. It helps yeah. me to stop being so judgmental. Mm. You realize how human we all are. Yeah, of course. How we have basic needs and wants. And who am I? Like, I'm not perfect. And there's no measurement of what's worse, like, cheating or lying or conniving or stealing what's worse than the next i don't know i know i certainly learn from other people's conversations and mistakes like okay i already didn't want to do that and i definitely won't do it yeah now. yeah but it's funny the way you said it even the smile you got you almost like glamorized it well i back then i did and then i would write about it because i was going through it and subconsciously i think i was trying to decide if it was it worth it and it never is you know yeah. it never is and i think you know, now I'm actually in like a really healthy, happy relationship and I'm having a horrible time writing because <laughs> I have nothing to complain Why about. Why is that? Why is it good? I don't know. It's so awful. And it's I'm, not just the writing now. It's, it's everything. It's everything. It's like, well, things are good and this person's nice to me. So therefore I must like I, sabotage it. I like, know. Or just like I quit. I have, what am I going to write about a tree? So it's now <laughs> I'm, but now it's actually a really interesting challenge of, shifting my lyrics to try to make something new that's from a different perspective of myself and writing in a positive way or not necessarily like happy but just about how I'm feeling now or even try to write about a tree maybe write more mm -hmm. poetically or abstract yeah that's where I'm going to try but it's really hard you know you don't I do could, much abstract writing I used to but you know it, I think with where music is now, it became so confessional and so personal, just like even Drake, everything's so confessional and he kind of made everything about like talking. It's almost very conversational almost now. So when I listen to like old Joni Mitchell lyrics and you know, like Crosby, Still and Nash, they're talking about hummingbirds and like very abstract metaphors and no one really writes that way that often anymore. And I'm going to try just because I feel... I don't know how many more sad songs I have in me. Also, I'm not having any more affairs or anything juicy. So I got to write about like 
picking out blinds. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You can find meaning in other ways. Have of you ever course. thought about writing the juicy stuff from someone else's perspective? Well, that's what or? I've never tried that. So I'm going to try to also take me out of it and maybe write about someone else. But I have all these exciting ideas, but it's harder than I thought to actually shift directions and write a poem about a peanut even, you know, just as an example. <laughs> a poem about a peanut. Yeah, an exercise. It is hard. It, the, the most that I ever wrote songs is when I was at my saddest, when I didn't sleep. I was very yeah. depressed between like 19 and 24. Why is that? And now I don't have that, so I only can write like abstract poems about the simplest thing. Like right now I could write one about this mirror, you, the mic, and the lighting. I love that. And it would be really hard for somebody to know what I actually wrote about. I love that. See, that's what I want to try. I got to get there. You Give me some it. exercises. Do you do you write poetry? I do. I love writing poetry. Usually that's how some of my lyrics start, just kind of like a poem. And then I can just start freestyling on the words mm-hmm. a little bit and then fill them in. But So my exercise that I do to get a poem going and then it just runs from there is I just pick one thing that I look at that catches my eye. Mm-hmm. And I think of any other word to describe everything about it that isn't the word. So like right now I'm looking at this mirror, gold frame, it's a rectangle, blinds behind me. But instead of saying like, that's a gold frame with a mirror, you know, I might say like the earth's brain. The earth's brain? Yeah, gold, you know. Oh, wow. (laughs) I mean, that's poetic. (laughs) That's what you just throw out right now as your rough... Workshop word. I've been doing this since I was 14. Oh my God, that was very impressive. (laughs) (laughs) The earth's, wow, okay. The earth's brain uh, shaves an isosceles triangle. Mind blown. Covers the specks of aluminum across sand. Mirror. Um, The depth unknown brings a glow from a southern place where... Olives and wine flow. You're Italian. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you see, you can like, <laughs> not done well, yet, but I'll stop oh, now. No, keep going. You have more? Do you have more? <laughs> I mean, I can just keep going because oh you just, God. you know, but it's practice. You, I know. And it's very natural, especially when things feel right. When like, I'm feeling good right now. It's a fun yeah. conversation. So it can come out when I really like someone, when I'm in love, it, it flows out all the time. I mean, I have to stop myself from writing oh, a so poem jealous. to a woman every day. Oh, I love that. Again, it's... I'm going to try. This is this is inspiring. Thank what, you. Thank I've you. I've been really having a hard time writing again. But I think it's also... That was a really good example. I'm going to try to do that. Cool. But mine will not be that good. <laughs> It'll be like games. I don't know. Period. Yeah. Games. <laughs> just games. It just, it it comes with experience. I've, yeah. I do it a lot. I practice it a lot. When I go to a new place and bust out my phone, my notes, and I just start doing just it. Do it. And, you know, you just get better at it. Yeah. And it's fun. It's one of, like, that, like, poetry and improvisation are the two places, like I said earlier, where I can feel present. Mm. Same with cooking same with too. even like driving. Yeah. I really like driving. Me too. I drive all the time. And I like road trips. Over the pandemic, I did seven road trips. Oh my it's God, like, amazing. There's nothing Where was else the to favorite do. place you went? Probably Brooklyn. Really? Okay, yeah, cool. It was pretty magical. I can see you there, yeah. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. It's and so fun. It's um, just listening to music, podcasts, and just being one with the road, seeing the world. Instead yeah. of flying over it or staying in one place, but 
going like through it. Going through it and meeting people and seeing some strange characters and weird restaurants and too many Confederate flags. Yeah. But when you see the Confederate flag, first of all, I don't like it. I don't agree with it. But when you see the world that it's within, it starts to make more sense than seeing a Trump rally. Yeah. That's put on CNN. It's like I I want, not that I agree with it, but I want to see it to have a better understanding. Just like to hear that neighborhoods are bad. It's like, well, did you ever drive past like yeah. down Pulaski on Madison on the west side of Chicago yeah. or 63rd and Ashland on the south side of Chicago? Like, do you actually know these neighborhoods yeah. and how bad it really is? It's helpful to drive or walk or go through the world instead of skipping over it or staying put and looking at the world through your phone. Well, that's what's so crazy. You know, we see everything on our Instagram and I see, you know, the war in Ukraine and then like a birthday cake, a dog on a scooter yeah. and then a dead person. It's just, it's so topsy turvy. It's so it's hard to process. And mm. I, I can't imagine being in this situation is probably a very different feeling, you mm-hmm. know? So yeah, I, I would love to do more road trips. But you, you don't do them a lot? I do. It's just I love to drive, but I can get very distracted when I drive. <laughs> How long have I been driving for? Exactly. Well, not even that. Just like, oh, look, a deer. You know, I'm just... But now so I'm getting full... you're distracted easily and you have a I'm bad going, memory. Yeah. Have you been tested for like I Alzheimer's mean, or dementia? You know or what? I probably should. But here's the thing. I can remember every lyric and I can remember like every visual thing. Yeah. It's just, you know... And in hmm. high school... Well, it's a bit of a processing problem. I got diagnosed with that. So I also got uh, out of taking notes during class Uh because when someone's doing a lecture, I can't obtain the information because it's like just a verbal thing. Mm -hmm. So my my friends would just take the notes and then they would just photocopy them for me. So I would just have to really focus (laughs) on what they're saying to me. For those just listening. So I just really checked out. And not watching, she's doing doing the finger air quotes. Well, I got suspended because I was listening to a Diana Ross album and math with like a hood up with my ear pods. And my mom was like, it's a good know. reason to get this suspended. I know. My mom was like, I don't know if I should be more upset you got suspended or you're like 14 listening to Diana Ross. Like that's <laughs> very dorky. Now I'm anyway. concerned about you. Yeah. <clears throat> that's so funny. So you have like a, you got tested and have like a processing. Yeah. It's like a, it's a oratory thing where I'm, I have a hard time processing information that's verbally given to oh, okay. me, but visually I'm really good. So, okay. for example, I always got off the honor roll because of math and chemistry. Like, I failed chemistry. And then she saw me in the musical, and she said, oh, you're not just, like, a deadbeat slacker. You just yeah. don't excel here. So yeah. she didn't fail me. She gave me a C-. minus. I, I had extremely <laughs> similar situation in high school. Like, almost How? Verbatim. I don't believe you. So I have, like... I have dyslexia. Oh, okay. And I have a really bad time with words. That's why I like poetry so much because it's like I make the rules. Yes. I don't yes. follow. I, I'm speaking a language, but I make the rules on yes. where I want to put everything. Yes. So dyslexia, mixing things a lot in like kind of like a slight speech impediment where I might yeah. stutter up to like re-say a word, which is difficult when you're in high school. As an adult, people aren't quite as cruel. Also, dyslexia is, is one that people don't really take seriously. And it's oh, a no. very serious They overlook one. it. And it's yeah. like... Look at my emails after I write them. I have to reread them 20 times because the is H-E-T again. Yeah. And it's not how you spell the. Yeah. But that's how it is in my head when I type it and I look and I'm like, that's, oh my that's God. That's not it, yeah. The simplest word is backwards. Wow. And again, so I would do poor in certain classes, but I did really well in like our class and more but more particularly the um, like wood shop. Oh, I've always fun. been into building stuff. So creative, using like creative design. your hands, everything. Exactly. Yeah. I really like using my hands to build things. So 
I would do really well in those classes. And the teacher would see that, but that'd be poor in this class. So they would kind of like let me slide, give me the lowest exactly. grade, like a 70. Totally, that's and, what happened. And me. I would show up and do the work. I just couldn't do it I just well. Exactly, I just couldn't get it. And my mm. mom was like, what's going on? I see her studying. And they're like, we think she has a problem. <laughs> but it was it was so frustrating though, because I, I had like A's and everything, mm -hmm. advanced choral, creative writing off the charts. Mm -hmm. Bi uh, biology, I was great because it was all visual. I mm -hmm. love dissecting stuff, but chemistry, they asked me not to take physics. My class <laughs> said, take. we love Naya, but like we don't want to deal with this. That's hysterical. Yeah, and was, But that's the problem with the education system. Like being within it now, not only are there not enough funds in the arts, which is all another story. That's very true, yeah. But like it, you, you take a student, this this person, he's 14, she's 14, they're 14, going into high school and you go, all right, here are these seven subjects that we all said you have to take, but it's like, what if I'm only good at that? What if I'm just a phenomenal musician? Yeah. What if I just want to sing and play jazz and like chemistry and biology has nothing to do with that. I get why it's there. Yeah, and why we need a little basis. It's, but do it's there, we? you never know. When have you used the periodic table? Not not much. I like knowing the first five because it's how we all got here up to yeah. carbon, and then I'm good. See, I don't even remember that. <laughs> no, it's but just I'm, what stardust yeah, is, you know. Like yeah. you go up to carbon, you know, as long as you know hydrogen, helium, yeah, oxygen, oxygen mm -hmm, that's all. I and got. argon and 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 iron. If as long as you know like the first five six, you're like, okay, that's everything. That's it. We're good. Yeah. Um, the rest are who knows. I know. But. Yeah, you're right. I don't know. It's it's not often I use that stuff. I know. Well, one of my big goals of why I want to keep doing this also and start making more money is to start more creative arts camps because, mm. you know, my school was so academic. I felt very isolated from the rest of the girls where I would skip class to go play the piano in the chapel. And I got into this, like, arts, arts uh, camp thing where they pick – kids all around the country and mm. in all the different disciplines. So it was like dance, creative writing, music. And they flew us all to Miami to do a week kind of workshop thing. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time before moving to New York, I met other kids. I was probably like 16 that were all artists or just excelled in the arts. And I, it was the first time I felt like a sense of community. And it was frustrating because my school never really acknowledged it wasn't very art heavy, but now, you know, I'm a notable alum now. They kept me on probation, academic probation, my whole high school life. But now in their Wikipedia, it's like a noted alum. That's what, I'm like, we have a lot of parallels. Yes, I'm glad. Cause my, my high school. I clearly am bitter about it, so as you can tell. <laughs> I was bitter about it too because I was voted class bum. Class bum? Yeah. No they way. They give out awards what at like you, the senior banquet. What is a class bum? Apparently I was, a person who just looks and acts like a bum. But the irony of that is I was at a job interview the night they gave out the award while everyone was there who wasn't working. So who's the bum? But yeah, I So I like, win hey, class bum, which is like the lowest achievement. A, yeah, that's not a good they one. Had like, these awards would never exist now. PC culture wouldn't allow for yeah. it. They had like best looking, most likely to succeed, class clown, best hair, be, best, you know, whatever, all that stuff, and class bum. So I win class bum. I have this trophy. It's my biggest achievement because it's pushed me to go so many other places. Yeah. I have class bum from my high school. And then 14 years later, I got this award in January, which is like a lifetime achievement award. Wow. It's called the Distinguished Alumni Award. I'm like the youngest person, That's... one of the youngest people to ever get it. 
And How ironic, though. I know. So I have them next to each other. Distinguished Alumni Award. My, my name's on a brick in the wall of the school forever. That's insane. And then the Class Belmore Award, which oh is God. just amazing because of the work I've done with the fest, raising money for yeah, the arts and doing a fest at the school for the students, which is great. But it's funny because, like you said, you, you're on that Wikipedia page, yeah, a notable like, alum. Y'all hated me. But then while you're there, they're like, who is this yeah, dork, this I loser know. who can't? Past chemistry. I know. Don't take physics. <laughs> That's really funny, I actually. Know. Well, you know, the, I feel like these stories are actually pretty common among artists. You know, we yeah. were a little bit misunderstood in our high schools. Very misunderstood. You know? <laughs> but if I didn't have these creative arts experiences, I wouldn't be who I am. Yeah. You know, you, I needed them to kind of remind me that what I'm doing is cool mm-hmm. and that it's okay. I'm awful at school and don't want to like go to field hockey. I'd rather no. just like sing jazz. Yeah, there, there's some kids when I, I always go back to schools to guest speak in that school too. And have you ever done that? They've asked. I haven't gone back. I should do it. You should do it. Or, or any high school because yeah. at this point. I would love to do it. Yeah, you, that'd be fun. You could definitely do it even in LA. Yeah. It's, I recommend it because at first it seems pointless or futile or like what do you get out of it? But like last week. I received an email from a girl who goes to DePaul University in Chicago mm. for film and documentary. And she emailed me asking if she could make her final project a documentary about me and what oh, I do. Wow. Because when I went to Argo, my high school, to speak in her English AP class, I inspired her to follow her dreams and she's looked up to me ever since. Well, that's incredible. So she went to school for this stuff. And so that's like super heavy. Of course. Especially a, like um, it's extra different when it's like opposite sex yeah like if it was a boy to you or a girl to me it's just different yeah. you don't really expect that of course so it's like nice and like that's just one person who decided to reach out yeah you never know there could yeah. be dozens so you never know who you I can know. inspire i know i guess and i would love to and i i just feel like like what you were saying earlier they're cutting arts programs yeah and even for people that aren't in the arts and don't know if they want to like pursue it maybe the same way i did it's still good to do it. Yeah. It's still good for our emotional, like, you know, I, people should all, I don't know, I think we all should be artistic in some way. At some point in our lives, Something. especially when you're young. Anything. It's an outlet, yeah. you know? Yeah, what other forms did you find yourself doing? Because everyone I like knows draw. an artist never just one thing. I know, I love to draw, actually. <laughs> draw. I really like to sketch. I love movies. I'm a huge film buff. Me too. Yeah, film is one of my favorites. Um but probably just like, I mean, and I used to dance when I was little, but I was awful. Um, mm-hmm. But probably drawing music and movies. Have you seen, it came out, I think in December, Come On, Come On. No. Walking Phoenix. One? No, I didn't know that was out yet. It's good, but it's in black and white, filmed in New York. Is that the one it's great where he's like the audio dad? Based. He's what an a, uncle. Uncle. And he takes care of a kid and he's always bringing his gear with, because he does podcast interviews. Oh my God. It's actually, I loved it. I'm sh- It was I'm great because sure. they used a lot of the audio from the source of oh, like wow. the mic Amazing. from their perspective. So the sound design was really cool. Okay. I'm going to watch it. I thought I saw a preview for it. And I was like, oh, I'm going to watch that when it comes out. But mm-hmm. too much stuff is, I can't remember anything. And mm-hmm. also I haven't seen it. There's too yeah. many movies coming out. Yeah. It was, it was, that was really good. I really like Parallel Mothers with, um, with, um, Penelope. Pen- Penelope Cruz. I haven't seen that one either. I'm dying to see that one. That was good I too. love Crazy his, Twist. I love. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I love his movies, so. 
interesting weird ending but the twist along the way we're like whoa was not expecting that i'm excited for that one that's another good one i saw did you see the hand of god the italian one no that i want to see really that. beautiful it was good yeah your your parents were they are they from italy my or? mother's from italy so okay. we grew up watching like way too explicit violent italian movies like westerns like spaghetti westerns. well yeah just like bad like cinema paradiso like just incredible cinema and stuff where you're like when you're like six you're like this is traumatizing yeah <laughs> yeah but um I, th- I just had a love for foreign films i think and mm-hmm. a lot of danish films i really like and french stuff so but also i just think people don't advertise them as much like when i'm scrolling through netflix or even apple they don't have that many Good foreign films. I have no, to really not dig. not foreign ones. Not, not enough. Yeah. I just watched the Spanish one that... Oh, Planet... Planet... Planetera is what I want to say. Planta. Planet. La Planta. La Planta. It's, this, it's one of my favorite movies this year. La Planta. And it's a female director. She stars in it. She wrote it. And her mother's in it. And it's... Whoa. Unbelievable, and it's really? very simple. Like you know, there's there's not even that much camera movement. A lot of it is still, because um, I'm sure the budget wasn't very big. But it's winning all these awards just because when you don't have a big budget, you have to be creative. You have to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, like absolutely. the story is so simple but so heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, what streaming service is it on? I don't even know. I think I had I to pay to rent it. Yeah, La, Plan- La Planta or Planta. Okay. I'm sure I'm saying it wrong, but it's beautiful. It's it's one of my favorites because it was such a quiet little movie, but I, I cried and I left being like that was probably one of the most interesting stories mm. and how she depicted out. it. It was great. I'll have to check that yeah, out. Yeah, it was great. I love movies. I do too. Mm-hmm. I um it was funny. It was almost like counterintuitive to go to a theater. Everyone's like, I don't want to go because of COVID. And I was like, go because no one's there. That's true. So I would go to yeah. these, especially like more of the art theaters, yeah. be the only one there. It's like, Did you okay. see Dune? I saw Dune. What did you think? I never read the book and I never saw the old ones, like the it's David Lynch same. one. So I thought it was beautiful yeah. and I thought it was I thought it was really well made, but I like was kind of lost in the whole What's lore co- of it, yeah, you know? Yeah. But I was intrigued. I, I kind of want to see it again. Yeah. You know, I thought it was a really beautiful looking <clears throat> like yeah. sci-fi movie. Of course, yeah. And I thought... You know, the acting was great. The sound design was really cool. I'm very much into sound design. Yeah, that I remember after I saw that. I saw it with at one of those theaters with the crazy sound mm-hmm. system. And I remember being like, I downloaded the soundtrack in the parking lot and I smoked a Camel Crush and like blasted the Dune. Camel sa- Crush? Yeah, I was smoking a cigarette listening to the Dune soundtrack. Do you driving. smoke cigarettes off? No. It was just <laughs> was like say, the, singer. the score was so The score crazy. is really cool. That I was just like, like driving home. I was like, scores and cinematography and sound design like capture my heart. Yeah, because it's it's what brings you into it. And usually when those are good, everything else is good too. Yeah, like uh, you ever see Tenet? Yes, the score for that movie insane is insane. I I bought it on vinyl recently. Really? Yeah, because I couldn't help myself. I think the score was the best part of that movie. It was. I agree. (laughs) I watched it four times. I was like, I still don't know. I still don't really get what's going on. Reverse entropy. I'm like, I know. Crazy cool concept. I really enjoyed the cinematography of the reversing because they really did that. That's crazy. And you're like, well, yeah, the the airplane reverse fire thing like that really happened. That's, like, that's insane. Pretty remarkable. So where it achieved was the cinematography and the score, yeah. and then where it lacked was like the stories. I think you went. I think Chris Nolan pushed it too far. Yeah, <laughs> with or this story. Yeah, yeah. You know, or, we're, or we were missing three pages from the script. Yeah, someone lost it. Someone lost someone one. Made a weird edit. Yeah. Same thing. Someone with like, quit um, mid script. That's how I feel with the Batman. The I didn't see that yet. No. I hear it's cool looking. 
the way you said it, you're like, I didn't see that yet. Like, you already made up your mind. Yeah. I could uh, tell. Also, you know, I know this story. About, do you know who Babin is? I mean, but I also love Robert Pattinson and, and Zoe, Zoe Kravitz. Kravitz is kind of amazing. And I so. love that Robert Pattinson is a vampire and it took him this long to become a bat. <laughs> I never thought of that. <laughs> That's good. That's but good. I, I like the casting and I mm-hmm. hear the look. Because I I'm a huge, I love cinematography too. I hear the look is really cool. Like look the is goth very cool. And everyone's like, it's so you, Naya. I'm like, okay, cool. What are you trying to say? Well, this like kind of droll, <laughs> heroin chic thing. I'm like, all right. Heroin chic thing? Well, you, you never heard that term? I have. I'm just trying to think of it applied It's kind of like strung out, cool, gothy. Oh, okay. I've met strung out people. You know? Yeah, no, I'm not. I mean, <laughs> you look pretty I love well kale. kept. Yeah, I love kale. I love kale and lotions and steam. But you know, I like. Uh, yeah, I see. I, I, hear, I see. It, I hear it's it's really cool though. It's the tattoos. It's the zero. Maybe it's like a little alt. Hand. A little alt. You don't have many tattoos, but you have mine. I the have pla- few. You have mine in your hand, like the places people see, which I know. is it's the opposite f- of what people do. Yeah, it's more for me. These are all. That's why they're all pretty shitty tattoos, but and they're all blown out. But I have Tony Soprano. Well, you didn't ask. I have a few. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't ask what they are. Can you tell me? So there's the three. Three, it's my favorite number. Okay, R. It's also David Chase, who's my favorite director. I love The Sopranos. You're Italian, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. (laughs) But he writes everything in threes, Mm. David Chase. Tony Soprano. What do you mean writes everything in threes? Everything has like like a trilogy kind of thing where... The character, everything happens in threes. So oh. there'll be an episode where something has to resolve in always three times. Okay. Something, I don't know. I'm not explaining it perfectly. But he, I, I get what you're saying. It's like the Holy Trinity for him. There's like a thing. Yeah. I don't know. It's also my favorite favorite number. <laughs> R is for my dog Rocco, who died. He was a tough guy, so I put him on my knuckles. Zeros are my favorite. Did you ask? I did. I okay, did. okay. I was like, really is that bad. I know. So I have two zeros. I have a Chopin tattoo. Nice. Um, I have this, which is from the movie Irreversible. Have you ever seen that one? Gaspar Noé. No. The French. It's no. upsetting if you like really upsetting movies and dark. I, I do. It's really disturbing. It's a I French do. film. Upsetting movies are, I mean, it's This just, one's very dark. It'll, you'll need like a weekend to recover. I mean, is it? Is it really dark like um, Schindler's List? It's up there. Or like it's a different type of dark. It's like very nymphomaniac dark. Darker. Okay. It Nier. people walked out of the movie theater for oh. it. Gaspar Noé. You've seen Enter the Void. Yeah. So it's the same director. Okay. This one has Monica Bellucci and Vincent Castle. Okay, I know they are. When they were dating, and Vincent Castle had to go check himself into a psych ward after he shot this with his his wife because it was that hard to shoot okay you, you, I'm, I'm and it. I have it and it's, it's usually the log lines in French and it says time destroys everything so that's what I have here and it's called irreverse- irreversible irreversible yeah and I gotta remember these movies yeah it's really you have good. to send them to me yeah. I like this yeah that's cool that's a good one I'm like happy that someone's been tortured in a movie and they had it like I'm like that's amazing. Can I watch this? Well, you know, so I I saw it once and it, it impacted my life. And also the sentence "time destroys everything." My mom's like, "That's so depressing. Why would you have that on you?" I'm like, "Cause it kind of reminds me that nothing really matters. So yeah. it kind of helps me let get let go and not be so neurotic about everything. So I kind of have them all as cues. Mm-hmm. They all help me through. Should I watch it alone? 
with friends. Definitely not on a, on a date. date. Definitely not, not on, on a, a date. No way. That's, I really enjoy. That is like, the. He, she will run. She will run. She what if w- she's cool? What if she's just like me? What if she's like you? Uh, it depends cool like where us? she is on female rights. Oh. Like it's just very um, hard to watch. It's hard. I would. I would hope very, that the person's very logical enough to separate that from. It's a movie. Yeah, like why run I love art. fighting and explicit stuff, but even I had to look away at some scenes. Really, it's crazy. Okay, it's probably. I think it's one of the most violent was films it ever NC-17? made. It I don't know what been, it right? is. I don't. It's it just, didn't get a rating. It's it was just so bad. insane. I love it though. <laughs> it's my favorite. <laughs> You're like, it's just incredible cinema. And then you smile and go, but that's but it's insane. It's, it's like what I love. It feels real. It's like insane cinema. No one makes movies like that because it's just it's it's a lot. There's no money in it. That's yeah. why they don't do it. That's probably true. <laughs> I mean, it's like one of my favorite movies, um, are um Under the Skin with Scarlett Johansson. One of my favorite movies too. Right. That score, Mika Levy. <laughs> I have been saying forever. Me too. It's the best score ever made. It is. And everyone, I say it, my friends think I'm a dork because they go, sure, Ben, no. you're going on a rant again. I finally Google best score is ever made and it's number one. Yes. It's on pitchforks. Right. It's, it, yes. I'm like, so I'm not crazy. I know. It's amazing. I met her at a bar once <gasps> and she was so cool. What? And I, want, I wanted her to do some string arrangements. How do you, who do, how do you just go to, you have lunch well, with I, like, Laura Lee, you her. go to a bar and you meet? Well, you know, I oh, have what? some people on my team that can connect the dots, but she was so cool and it didn't team. work out just because... <laughs> Just because it was before Under the Skin too, so um, but she did the score for that one with Natalie Portman too, and she just did yes. Zola, which Wait, is really great. She, um, Jackie. Yes, she did oh that, which God. was That's beautiful my too. Score, so. And then did you see Zola yet? No. That one she did the score for, and it's really funny. Do you think she did Spencer, the same director that did Jackie with? Um, I don't Kristen think Stewart? I haven't seen that. I but either. I love Mika Levy. I'm so happy you know her too, because yeah. not many people do. And Under the Skin, Jonathan Glazer, come on. Well, Nia, people aren't as cool as we are. I know. Or they just don't want to, you know, it's crazy, which you will be really jealous. There was a showing of Under the Skin in LA with a live orchestra and they did the score live with the movie. And you went to it. Yeah. Alone. Alone. Yeah. With an edible. <laughs> it was I, amazing. I wish we knew each other. I would have Well, went. now we do. Now I would have totally, you, like the I, No one thing, wanted to come with me. And then we went and watched Formula One after. Yeah. We will do it. It's like an edible <laughs> score. Oh a mild God. edible. One million grams or but that, oh I was like, oh my God, God it's happening in the room. Oh, I'm, so, I'm like mad right now. <laughs> it was really fun. And my friends were That's like, so I don't cool. care. Yeah. They're like, that movie was too long. I'm like, oh my God. It wasn't too long. No, it wasn't. Do you know all those people she picked up weren't actors? I know. Isn't that? Okay, you know that. Oh, okay. I went way into We it. know. Okay, <laughs> you great. Know. You're on my level. Okay, good. <laughs> Nerd. When yes. I watch a movie. I watch it again with Wikipedia open. I love it. I watch it again without that, and then I watch it again with. And I like Reese. I want to know everything. I want to. I want to know the art to the tech, to the the production to the distribution. I want to know all of it yeah. because it's all part of the industry. It's all how it all works. I want to totally. get it, so I can. Once you learn a lot, it's like learning music theory. It's a misconception to learn and be like, oh, now it's going to control me. It's like, no, you can lose control once totally. you know how everything works. <laughs> totally. Once you, So it's the same thing with these art forms. Once I get how it all works, I can get lost in it again. Yep. But then if I have to go to that place, I can have this conversation. Yes. And it's it's nice, but it's also a personality type. Not everyone's, they just want to have suspension of disbelief, 
watch, you know, Thor with his hammer one more time and then go on home. I just found out Fast and Furious went to space in their last movie. Did you know that? No. I haven't seen those in years. Neither, they're now in space. Or like well, where they, else would they, could they go? I, but the where are they the going to go next? It's too furious. I mean, you know, the, they went in a Tesla car Mars, apparently I too. I don't know. I can't. It, I think about I mean, it now every day. Those so much money. I know. And then you'll get those really cool art films, the, <clears throat> the avant-garde stuff that make $300,000 and you're like, I, I don't understand. They're so good. Well, it's hard for people to focus. You know, I, it's, you have to be kind of trained. You know, I feel like if I didn't grow up watching very slow old mm-hmm. Italian movies, I wouldn't understand it as yeah. much. But I think people are missing out if they don't watch yeah. some of these. So Absolutely. I mean, I, I don't get the length thing because people love podcasts. They That's love true. listening to records all day. They love binging a TV That's show. True. They'll watch That's Game true. of Thrones forever. So, like, why can't you watch a two or three hour movie? Probably because the editing is much slower, though. Yeah. You know, there's a, it's, it's a mental thing because when you get that break, you get to go to the bathroom and yeah. go put on another episode. It's yeah. different from watching the three hour Batman thing, was a big complaint people had. I didn't have it. I liked it. Yeah. I personally wanted to watch the four hour cut that apparently Matt Reeves four did. Four hours? Yeah. Wow. Because then I go, well, yeah. then there's more fun information that I could learn from this story. Totally. But. Well, also, when I watch TV sometimes, I, I'm like, there's 42 cuts. And they're saying two sentences. Like, it just, I'm having a seizure. Uh-huh. It's too, it's just. The fast pace editing uh, drives me nuts. Yeah. And anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, no. It's, it's kind of funny how many things we have in common. Actually. I love it. That's great. So I was not expecting that at all. Well, hello. Well, here I am. <laughs> Your new friend. It's great. <laughs> yes. Um, is there anything? I think we're probably at two hours. We are at two hours. Perfect. Um, let's talk about the, leaving this podcast. Maybe yes. post or not post. Um, plug anything you'd like to plug. Oh, I'm so bad at plugging. Well, mm. I just released a new ambient record called Mouthful of Salt. It's mm-hmm. out now. It's great. I could vouch. I listened to it twice. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And that's about it. Just, that's it. I'm Naya, and I love things. I don't Check know. me out. Follow <laughs> you on everything. Oh, yeah. Support you. Yes. Get into your music. Yes. You're a talented musician and artist. Thank you. It's been amazing to meet you. I had a great time last night at your show. Thank you. I'm excited to see all the things you do, and I'll keep I'll keep bothering you. Likewise, thank you for having me. You're welcome. This has been really lovely. It's been really fun. Yes. It's been wonderful to get to know you. Yes. Friends right. now. Friends now. <laughs> Take care. Thanks.